Well, welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Astrological Predictions 2023. And you're on the show Out of This World with Joan and Alan. I'm Joan. That's hey. my co-host, Alan. Thank you, Joan. It's been great to be out of this world with you. And this is a great way to kick off the, the new year with like the cosmic weather report and I've been doing this for seven years. I started this programming of predictions at the, at the Edgar Casey Center in New York, and it's been going, and people really like it as a way of gauging what's coming. So we have some great people on the show, fantastic astrologers. We do have some fantastic astrologers. Let's drop their names, and then let's talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing. Yes, yes. Okay, great. So, guys, we have tonight for you Rick Levine, a really renowned astrologer, probably. We, ha we have the really top astrologers on this panel. Rick is also going to be a Conscious Life Expo, I want everyone to know. And then we have, well, let's alternate. You go next. You have to turn your sound off. Oh, okay. Leo, night in. Tolerico, and he, what I like about Leo is that he combines a sort of psychological perspective, but also metaphysical because he studied silver mind control and he's bringing in a whole Aquarian idea as well. I'll, I'll go into more his bio when he's, before he speaks, but Leo's a great guy, a good friend. We also have Raquel Spring, Leo and Raquel, both from Sedona. And what I love about Raquel is that she really looks at the big picture, the Aquarian perspective that we're moving into and very deep advanced readings. And Michaela Davies, uh, Davis, and she also looks at an evolutionary perspective on astrology. So this is a far reaching vision. And we also have one more Shima person. Moore. Yes. We Shima also have Shima Moore who curates the astrology. She's an astrological curator, meaning that she just researches all the top astrologers and takes the best information. And she's going to be running the astrology panel at Conscious Life Expo, of which two of our astrologers are going to be on that panel, Raquel and Rick Levine. So this is even more exciting than we even know. But uh, so we're happy to have you all. We're going to share them with you in a couple of minutes. Meanwhile, Alan and I have been out of this world, literally out of this country, planning different events and i thought we would share a little bit about the next three upcoming events we're doing together so the first event we're doing together is in april it's portal to ascension it's known as the ascension conference it's the first time we've gone in a live event for uh, since 2019 i think it was and we have over 30 speakers on all aspects of consciousness coming together ancient history uh, UFOs, extraterrestrials, angels, channeling. That's the so, we're doing, but we're also going to be at the Conscious Life Expo in L.A. at the L.A. Hilton, February 11th to the 13th. Raquel, Shima, Rick, uh, a lot of people you see on my channel are going to be there. It is an epic show, and it's really made a huge comeback this year. So come to the Conscious Life Expo. Uh, I love it. I'm also doing a workshop, a free workshop Friday afternoon at 3 p.m. Best time in the world to do a workshop. So if you're free that day, guys, come out and see me also doing that. 
but it's been fun working with the expo. Alan and I worked with Shima introducing speakers there. So you'll see us running around and, and interfacing with everyone. So then we so can talk about the Portal to Ascension conference. Yes, in April, April 21st to 23rd. It's a busy year, Joan. That's why I really want to get the astrological overview to see know. how to plan our moves around the world. We're doing the San Diego conference in April, April 21st to 23rd. Then we're going to Glastonbury in August. And then we're taking a big trip with lots of people to Egypt with JJ and Desiree Hurtak. It'll be... Uh, a, a kind of initiatory uh, adventure into deeper spiritual knowledge because Egypt right. is so secret. The thing about Egypt that I just want to mention is it's, it's recovering your memories. Uh, you know, all of us have these lifetimes where many of us were in Egypt and this conference allows our memories to come back. And I'll be channeling for Hathor and the goddesses and we have great speakers that are going to be there sharing the wisdom with us. So we do want you to, if you feel the call, sign up because it is going rapidly. A lot of people are excited about this trip. So. It's coming up. Also, there's also a Crystal Skull event we are doing in Sedona in November. And we really want to get the major skulls, these ancient skulls, because there's a legend of these skulls coming together, opening a new window, a new portal for humanity. And we're hoping to achieve that in Sedona, along with some very special guests that maybe we shouldn't reveal right now, but there'll be a website called, I think it's called the Crystal Skull. What is that website called? Oh gosh, I think we wrote it down. Okay. Um, Sedona Crystal, you know, I can't, I I feel okay, like I'll put it in the chat. We'll put it in the chat. Put it in the chat. But okay. they do, the special guest, first of all, in addition to all the skulls, the special guest is someone very renowned, someone who's an amazing artist, someone who's going to um, do a lot of special, um, just special talks that are going to inspire you, have you see your own visions in a sense. And I think you're going to love the Crystal Skull Conference. So. Well, if you've never been around the Crystal Skull, go there because they emanate a form of consciousness. I always thought skulls were kind of creepy, but then I actually held one and put my third eye up to one. And there really is a presence in there and there's a communication. And it's really a symbolic gesture of consciousness in life. That's how I've turned the whole thing around to make them to make my understanding of these skulls, these beings perhaps valuable because there is something so, there. I want you to know that on my flight home, we had a lot of turbulence and I actually tuned into the crystal skull known as AIU and the crystal skull actually showed me how to ride the waves of turbulence. Like we're gonna ride the waves of 20. This is what they said. As I learned, here, this is a crystal skull transmitted this to me, that as I was riding the waves of the turbulence and trying to calm it, he was showing me that this is what we're going to do with 2023. We're going to learn to ride the waves. And that's why we're doing this event tonight, because I think every, every astrologer here has something to help us learn how to navigate. The astrologers here tonight, I mean... Our first guest, are we ready to bring? We are ready. I think we should, we should introduce Rick. 
I'll read his bio if I'm not echoing. You shut off your sound. Well, that's okay. We're, it's okay. Let's bring all the speakers on now. So if we bring up all the speakers and we'll introduce, we'll start with introducing Rick. Oh, she made it look beautiful. Mm. Look at this. Everyone looks so beautiful tonight. All right. So yes. we're going to start with Rick. We're happy to see you all. And uh, Rick Levine is an internationally renowned astrologer. Mute your, your Alan mute also. Internationally renowned astrologer Rick Levine provides weekly astrological guidance as we explore the beauty and the order of the cosmos and your connection to it all. Rick's extraordinary ability to merge history, symbology, quantum physics, etymology, psychology, and astrology, and his ability to deliver his insights with humor makes him a treasure trove for astrology scholars worldwide. Amanda and Rick Levine make a dynamic team on the Cosmic Consciousness Astrology Podcast, and she will ask all these questions about astrology so that Rick's complex ideas will give you insight so you can actually gain knowledge and wisdom. So again, you're going to be able to see Rick at the Conscious Life Expo and right here tonight. So Rick, we are so happy to have you. Before Rick goes, I just want to say the sequence or the schedule be. Rick for 15 minutes, then Shima, then I think Raquel, Leo, Michaela, everyone having 15 minutes to go from their point of view about the astrological configuration. And then we're going to have a panel discussion where people in the audience will be able to submit questions and we'll throw that out to our <coughs> experts and see what we get. So, okay, I think we're ready. For, thank you all for joining us. Some of my favorite people are here. So and put your comments in in the chat, guys. Feel free to make your comments. We'll be looking for your questions. And okay, Rick, take it away. We're happy to see you. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. And uh I can't wait for Conscious Life Expo. I'm a Johnny come lately to to this. Um and uh last year was my first year. And it was, uh, even with uh, residual COVID energy, it was an amazing conference. And, um, and not only will I be on the astrology panel, but I'm doing a um, workshop, <coughs> excuse me, on Saturday afternoon on moving beyond Venus and Mars in relationships. And then I'll be doing a post-expo um, workshop or a conference um, on Monday on kind of what we're talking about here, 2023 and beyond, what will the future bring? And um, and it'll be a quite a bit of a deeper dive. So when we look ahead, and, and I find this thing of being in astrology sometimes a bit temporally confusing. It, it's like dyslexia is when we mix up, you know, spatial things. But sometimes I feel like I, I suffer um, from uh, distempia, because my I, I'm writing a daily about today, a monthly about next month, um, a book about next year, and sometimes it's like where not where am I, but when am I? But I do know this: I am at the beginning of a new year, and in looking ahead, we astrologers often. Um, look at certain things, and I'm sure that the various other astrologers on this panel will pick up these individual events. And so I'd like to just take an overview 
of where we are in the big scheme of things. And rather than focusing on very specific events throughout the year, just try to get a sense of what is 2023 all about as we look at this run of civilization from through the 20th century with the Uranus-Pluto conjunctions that defined the 1960s um, and then on through the 2020s when we had the Uranus-Pluto now making a square, Uranus squaring Pluto, and, and the square is always the testing of what occurred at the conjunction. So at the conjunction, we had all those things associated with the 60s, kind of breaking free um, a, a cultural revolution um, of sorts, the uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Ram Das once said that if you were in this, if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. Well, I was there and I remember them. And what happens at a square is like it's a throwback to what happened at the conjunction. So during the opening square of Uranus, which is an 84-year cycle, and Pluto, which is a 248-year cycle, at that opening 90-degree angle that occurred pretty much all through the 2010s and even up through to, um, 2021 and even into 2022, that square was still operative. All the things that were in the 60s were back on our plate. They never really fully went away, but civil rights and um, and social rebellion against the, the power structures and and ecological issues and um, and body autonomy, whether it has to do with um, abortion rights or loss of them um, and or um, the actual use of various substances to alter our consciousness, um, gay marriage uh, the compared to the 60s with the um, second wave of feminism. And so there's a parallel here. But as we moved into 2021 and 2022, we were left with a residual square between Saturn, the planet of old, and Uranus, the planet of new. And we're kind of at the point of um, the eclipse on election day of 2022 of last year. In many ways, that was a turning point where we're breaking out of that. And there's feelings of hope and optimism that... Um, you know, that began to resurface, like maybe, maybe March of 2020 was finally over. So um, the thing is that now as we're moving into 2023, the significant thing to understand is that we're giving ourselves more and more distance to what happened back in 2020. And I should mention that the exact um, conjunction of Saturn and Pluto that occurred on January 12th of 2020 was within 24 hours, the announcement, the formal announcement of the first COVID death in Wuhan and the announcement of the COVID genome. And so that was exact to the date. And that event obviously set many things in, into, um, into play. So as we enter 2023, we're definitely in the sense of, of, of moving forward. However, we have kind of like this backwash. Anyone who stood in, um, in the ocean um, as, let's say, the tide is coming in, you can feel the power of the tide. But as each wave washes back out, 
on the bottoms of your feet, you can feel that 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 energy. And that's kind of like retrograde energy astrologically. And as we move into 2023, we have all the outer planets having shifted from their retrograde phase to direct, with the exception of Uranus, which does change to direct later this month. However, when it comes to the planets closer to Earth, the ones whose retrogrades have the most dynamic and immediate effect, we have Mars, which actually turned retrograde just before Election Day in the United States uh, in 2022. Mars is still retrograde, but it turns direct on January 12th. And Mercury, which just turned retrograde at the end of December, will be retrograde through um, the, the 18th of January. And so what's happening is we're feeling the frustration of these retrograde energies that are preventing us from bolting into the future with the push of all the planets direct, which by the end of the month, we will begin to feel. We're certain for those of you, certainly for those of you in the United States, we're seeing this clown show play out as a study in retrogrades by the Groundhog Day um, revoting. Um, the House of Representatives just completed their ninth attempt, um, you know, breaking the record of a century ago um, to elect a House representative, which is a perfect example of how these retrograde energies are working because there's frustration attached to it, because we feel like we're moving into the future, and yet something, something is holding us back, is preventing us from getting there, and we can feel it, and it's making us all a little bit edgy and a little bit frustrated and maybe even a little bit crazy. Now, it's my contention that 2023 doesn't really begin until March and April of 2023. I know that's kind of like... Uh, um, it sounds dumb to say that, but the fact of the matter is that in 2023, and I think the most important events of 2023, um, occur in April when Pluto for the first time in some 230 years, um, steps into Aquarius. It just tests the water in, um, in March and then it backs up. And then it goes back into uh, Aquarius for um, its uh, stay of a couple of decades next year in 2024. But we're going to feel, again, that futuristic anticipation of the Aquarian energy when Pluto moves into Aquarius in March. And that's backed up also by the fact that Saturn, which has been in a sign that's home for Saturn for the last five years, you see, it, it, astrologically, every sign is ruled by or is home sign for a planet. And Saturn is at home in Capricorn and Aquarius. So it's really been since 19, um, nine, I'm sorry, since 2019 that Saturn has been in, in Capricorn and then Aquarius. And in March, it moves into Pisces. So these two planetary change, I'm sure, changes, and I'm sure someone will pick up on these and talk deeper about them specifically, are like a real thrust into the future. Now, getting back to Mercury and Mars being retrograde, yes, they turn direct by the end of January, but it takes a while for them to recapture the ground that they lost during the retrograde, and Mercury breaks out of that shadow, if you will, that that container 
um, into new ground in February, but but um, Mars doesn't reach into new ground until March, and it doesn't move into the next sign. Normally, Mars whizzes through a sign in about seven weeks, and yet it's been in Cancer, or will have been, I'm sorry, um, in in Gemini, Mars will have been in Gemini for seven months by the time it moves into Cancer at the end of March. So what I'm saying is that as we move through January, even February, and even the beginning of March, we may still feel as if we're replaying the events. We're not out of the um, the proverbial woods yet, but by the time that the Mercury and Mars move out of their shadows. And by the time that Saturn moves into Pisces and Pluto moves into Aquarius, we're going to feel like we're being shot out of a shotgun or a cannon. It's going to be a move forward because all the planets at that time will be moving direct and moving into new territory. So that's, I think, a significant thing. Um, another comment about 2023 is that the Mercury retrograde cycle, Mercury turns retrograde um, about three times every year. Sometimes, like in 2023, it overlaps. And so we actually have four retrograde cycles, one that begins um, before the beginning of 2023 and one that ends after the ending of 2023. But this Mercury retrograde cycle follows an elemental theme. And for the first time in um, years, this cycle is moving through Earth signs. This particular um, um, Mercury retrograde being in Capricorn um, is indicative of the next Mercury retrogrades that have to do with getting back to um, uh, being centered, feet on the ground, practicality. And so I think it's important to realize that Retrogrades are not a bad thing. They're not a negative thing. However, they increase the intensity of that particular planetary energy. Why? Because a planet goes retrograde when it's closer to Earth than it is at any other time in its cycle. It's like having a radio station next door blaring rather than trying to tune into one far away. And because of that, these retrogrades are significant, whether it's Mercury doing it three or four times a year or um, or Venus, which also goes retrograde this summer in Leo, another thing that I hope someone will pick up and, and run with. But the bottom line is this. Regardless of how frustrated we may be, especially as we look at the um, inability of the majority party in the House of Representatives to make anything move forward right now, this is not indicative of what the rest of the year is going to be like. Often we astrologers um, rely on the fact that the birth of something is kind of carried through its life. However, 2023 is an exception because I think we're more, um, we'd be more reliable. It would be more reliable to look at what's going to be happening as we move into the sun, moving into Aries at the end of March, the spring equinox to get a flavor for the rest of the year because just because we're being um, impeded, uh, slowed down, uh, restricted now does not mean that that's the way it's going to be for the rest of the year. 
So those those are are my opening words. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to hearing what the other astrologers um, have to say. I'm looking forward to um, the um, whole lot, or to the Conscious Life Expo. Um, also, just as an aside, I got a number of events coming up through the year, but the one I'm most excited about right now is I'll be back in in Goa, India. Um, after not being there for a few years, leading a 10-day retreat at an Ayurvedic healing center in the southern part of Goa. Um, my monthly YouTube uh, um, forecasts, which go up every month on the first of the month, can be found at youtube.com slash Rick Levine. And I'll be unveiling more information about that and other events that I have coming out. And my timer says that I'm at 14 minutes and 55 seconds. And so until the end. Thank you, Rick. That was excellent and so clear to follow. And I hope some other astrologers do pick up on some themes or we can handle those themes like the uh, Venus retrograde and all that during the discussion. So I love that. I also like that he gave us hope for come come March or April that it won't stay so intense and heavy. So I appreciated that. All right. Well, we have our next astrologer coming on. So Rick, if you want to mute, also we'll introduce our next astrologer, Shima Moore. And she's like one of my besties. You look beautiful tonight, Shima. She's an astrological, metaphysical, and holistic health curator, educator, facilitator of Stargate activations, meditations, and leader of Panrhythmia, a sacred dance worldwide. And she's a wordsmith as well. She is passionate about engaging audiences on multiple levels, live or online, from her beautiful home, which actually faces now Mount Shasta, so that snow behind her could actually be real. And she also partners with other um, astrologers around the planet. She's co-founder, by the way, of the Los Angeles Conscious Life Expo. That's a big deal. Perceptions Magazine and San Francisco's Rainbow Grocery. Shima Moore is your astrology curator, is creatrix and host of Cosmic Revelations, Astrology, You and the Universe, which is an eight-week summer series on Portal to Ascension. She's a facilitator of stargate activations and meditations, a writer, and lives in magical Mount Shasta. So we're looking forward to hearing what you have to say, Shima. Unmute. Okay, there we go. I think you can hear me now. Yes? All right, good. Well, Rick, you know, I know I always put you at the end because you sum it all up so beautifully and following you is kind of like, ah. But it is such an amazing year. I'm so delighted to be here with you all, with Rick, Raquel, who I'm going to see very shortly. Um, reading bios of two new astrology friends, fabulous. Um, you know, what came up for me when I was researching this, because as, as your astrology curator, I do a lot of, I like to research. I mean, we all listen to what each of us have to say, because, you know, I always, I always think of it as like the elephant, you know, somebody feels the ear, somebody feels the leg, somebody feels the, the trunk, the tail, it's all different parts of it all. Oh, let me just set my let me just set my uh, timer there, so I have little 
so I know how much I have. But what came up for me when I was kind of going through all this massive information was a song, was a, a poem that I remember from when I was a little girl, and I can't tell you uh, when exactly, but it was a, it was a poem by Rudyard Kipling, and it was the poem "If." And I oh, and I think about it oftentimes because it's such a crazy world, you know. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blame it on you, uh, is how it starts out, and it goes on from there. And it always just makes me smile. And it seems like so. Um, it, it seems to fit so well for the for these times. Uh, actually, Rudyard Kipling, I found out recently, was really quite. He he was from India. Went to went to a very elite school in Britain and became really quite a racist. I didn't really know that about him, but I like some of his work. And so it just goes to show you, no matter who we are, or what we do there is that heart essence that people have. And he wrote this for his son during tumultuous times. And certainly we're still in a time of ongoing transitions and transformation and going inward is always the way to really deal with that. And, you know, the universe concurs because it started us out this year with all these retrogrades, right? It started us out with Mars retrograde, and so really taking action, not such a great time really to do that, you know? And for me, it's in my 12th house. So it's like a double-double. It's like the, the subconscious level. It's really going in like what's been going on through the years. Mercury retrograde in Capricorn. As Rick said, it's in an Earth sign. And, and I think the very final one at the end of the year starts going into fire signs. But up until that point, it's all that really practical, pragmatic stuff. And and interestingly enough, when uh, Mercury went retrograde, it was it was together. It was conjunct with Venus and Pluto, and so very powerful times. You know, it's kind of it was exactly conjunct Venus, which I I thought gave us great hope. But one of the things about starting the year with retrogrades, I think it's really a blessing, because it really gives us sort of um, time to reflect and to rethink and to reevaluate so that actually we actually have time to really start our New Year's resolutions if that's something that you do because um, until the planets go retrograde and we've got three of them going um, direct and we've got three of them going direct this year, uh, this month, which is Mercury, uh, Mars goes direct first on January 12th, which is just next week. And then Mercury goes direct January 18th, although it has a while to get out of its shadow. And Uranus goes direct January 22nd. So that's the 12th, the 18th, and the 22nd. And Uranus is kind of, Uranus, you know, uh, uh, Mercury is the mind, the thinking, the communication, all of that, reading the fine print. Um, Mars is the taking that action while going inside is a good thing, wonderful thing to go at the beginning of the year. And Uranus is that liberation, that freedom, that sudden movements, that uh, bolts of lightning, you know, from the cosmos. And I really look at retrogrades as really that time to go inside. I, I, you know, I know not everybody does, but I, I think it's really about touching into the purpose of life. And I think that this year, 
every planet is going to go retrograde. So this is really a year of tuning in. This is really a year of revisiting and revisioning and rethinking things. Because once Uranus goes direct, January 22nd, January 24th, by January 25th, all the planets are going direct and they're going to go. So hang on to your hats, right? So now is the time to really tune in. Because come January 24th, we are going forward. We are going to like really be able to bring in some new things. So um, take take advantage of this time because Jupiter. I know for me, Jupiter went into Jupiter went into um, uh, Aries, and Jupiter's expansion and growth and making everything bigger, and it went into Aries, the beginning of all things. So suddenly, life got like very active. All of this stuff happening, right? So nice to take a breath. So 2023 is a huge year. It's really a shift. There are people that are saying that this is a turning point in all of history. Okay, the heavens are changing. Everything in the heavens is starting to change, which means that our life is going to change. Now, does that mean, oh, everything's going to be, you know, sunshine and flowers? No, not really. It's going to be, there's going to be moments of chaos, there's going to be moments that are very intense. But you know what? Those of us who are listening to this, uh, most of us have done our work. We have, we're not kind of like um, totally hooked into the 3D reality as this is what life is about. We know that life is more than that. So I really want to encourage you this year because this is really a year where we can finally start to live our soul's purpose. Ah, isn't that exciting, right? This is a year after all the challenges and tumult and exhaustion of the last few years. This year, we can finally move towards what I feel is um, a lot of more hope. And Joan mentioned that Rick gave her hope, and that's true. This is a year like that. The social planets, the social planets being um, Jupiter and, and Saturn. Well, Jupiter changes signs every year. But it gives a big, it colors everything. And Jupiter is going to stay in Aries only till May, May 16th. And after that, it's going into Taurus. Well, Taurus is a yummy sign. Taurus is an earthy sign. Taurus is more enjoying life, right? It really, Taurus is actually one of the signs that's the um, greatest receiver. Tor Torians can receive better than any other signs out there. I am a Taurus. Um, and people who have Taurus moons and um, Taurus rising, they get to have that energy, which is really very exciting. Now, uh, Saturn, Saturn has a 29-year cycle. It is really amazing because um, you know, when Joan mentioned Perceptions Magazine, Perception Magazines to me seems like it was not very long ago, although it feels like a different life in many ways. It was a Saturn return ago, like 1994, 1993, 1994. We're talking about the beginning, really, of the internet, the beginning of the World Wide Web. There are so many things that began a Saturn return ago. So Saturn is getting, that was 1994 was the last time, around that time. So Saturn is getting ready to go into 
Pisces. Well, here's Saturn. Saturn's stability. Saturn's the master, the taskmaster, all of these things. But Saturn now is going into Pisces, the dreamer, the spiritual reality. So it's really about blending science and spirit. Finally, right? I can remember during perceptions time going to a book fair and, and I probably still have the book somewhere with my things, blending science and spirit. And now the whole, the world is ready for that, right? Because it also begins once Saturn moves into Pisces, it also begins a sign-based conjunction with Neptune. So Saturn and Neptune together, wow, that is pretty powerful. Saturn, the Lord of, the Lord of Karma, Lord of Time, how you keep time, how we structure the physical. And Pisces, Karma, healing, mutable, no boundaries. So it's really quite, quite, quite an amazing time that's coming in. By the way, when Jupiter moves into um, Taurus, it's moving into a sign-based conjunction with Uranus. So these are notable aspects that we'll be hearing a lot more about as, time, as we move forward into the year, because there's so much happening that we can't possibly touch on it all. Um, but Pluto does touch its toe in to Aquarius um, March 23rd only to June 11th, right? So it's not a long time. It's going to sit at that zero degrees Aquarius. Remember the grand, the great conjunction in December of, was it 2020? Saturn and Jupiter at zero degrees Aquarius. I mean, sometimes when I look at the heavens and I, I just kind of like study what's going on, it's mind boggling how things are so perfect. It's like if you try to create them, it's more, the universe is just so perfect. It creates more than we possibly could. So Pluto going into Aquarius, what's that about? Well, well, Capricorn, it's coming out of Capricorn, big government, um, hierarchies, big business into Aquarius, the sign of the people and technology and AI. So we're going to, so you want to tune into the news for the breakthroughs that are coming because there's going to be a lot happening. The world as we know it is going to be very different, probably by the end of this year. We're going to be like, whoa. Okay, so the U.S. is just ending its Pluto return. Um, and the Pluto takes 248 years to go around the sun. So that was like, you know, the Declaration of Independence. So we're going through political, social, and amazing scientific and technological breakthroughs over the next 20 years. Now, for some of us, that's kind of, that's pretty much getting towards, well, we'll see what happens with, sci with science. But, you know, things the way they are now, I look at 20 years and think, oh, let's see, how long will I be here? Will I be, what will I be around for? And I used to, I have to tell you, I used to feel... I used to feel bad for like, you know, people much younger because they're, oh, this world is like so intense. Ay, ay, ay. But I got to tell you, I feel so much hope for what's happening on this planet. And right this year, Pluto, 
Saturn and Jupiter are all changing signs. Okay, two so, minutes. Two minutes, Shima. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, honey. So the nodes are also going to be changing. And I know that Raquel is going to be touching on the nodes, which is great. And so we're starting with retrogrades. Um, and uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. And Venus is going to be going retrograde in Leo, July, August, and September, 40 days. And so this year is about questioning. Every, it's, everything is like pointing to why. Why do you believe the way you do? Why do you want what you want? Who do you love? It's time. Okay, so I'm going to leave you with a couple of tips. Take time for yourself. Tune in. Very important. Journal. Meditate. Therapy. There's going to be a lot of 3D changes. You want to really be prepared for it. Connect with community, those people who love you, all parts of you, right? It's really important to be authentic, to be able to express yourself with integrity. Create boundaries because sometimes, you know, really, yes, I'm a yes person. Yes, yes, yes. But sometimes we, we can't always say yes. Um, unplug a bit more. You know, it's really easy to be online all the time. But before you unplug, get your birth chart if you don't have it. You need your natal birth chart. You can get it from me. You can get it from any of the astrologers here. You can get it from astro.com. Free, free, free. But you want it. It's the building blocks for who you are. It's tuning in. When things get complicated this year, tune into your breath. Go out into nature. This is the view out my window. I, I'm, I feel... I am like so, not today, today it was raining, but I am like so thankful in gratitude and blessed. And be sure to join myself, Rick, Raquel, uh, throughout the upcoming 21st annual Los Angeles Expo. Alan and Joan are going to be doing presentations and they're on my team introducing people. It's going to be a heck of a great time. And in June, June 28th, I think is going to be our first summit for Conscious Revelations, Astrology, You and the Universe, Season 2. Stay tuned for updates on what that's going to look like. And thank you for being here. And I'm looking forward to connecting with everyone. Thank and I you. think we have 32 seconds to spare. Yes. <laughs> thank you. I think that was also a very upbeat, optimistic forecast. I definitely have questions to ask you about January 22nd. That's my birthday, but we'll go into that later. You, know. you did amazing predictions. I know that you often, we have to twist your arm to get your predictions, but they were so upbeat and so powerful. You did such a good job. We're so grateful. Thank you, Joan. Okay. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay. All right. Next. So we're going to introduce the next speaker. I'll let Alan do. I hope people are taking notes because there's so much good information to track as the year unfolds. Okay, do you want, I, I, you, I could read some of Raquel and you could jump in too, okay, Joan? Oh, I thought you, okay, go ahead, introduce Raquel, absolutely. I'm right here with her. Well, I have to say Raquel Spring lives and breathes astrology. I'm sure all the astrologers do here, but I, I know Raquel, she's given me a reading and it is not just her outer world, it's her inner world. 
And uh, it's always great because it's really, if you're listening to this program, it's a language. It's a language these people are speaking. That's what Michaela said to me. Wow, you speak my language. So, yes, it is a whole way of understanding the cosmos. And this is something Raquel puts into every aspect of her life. She comes from four generations of astrologers in Brazil. And her astrology is creating a powerful container for the divine feminine, which she embodies. She's a mentor and a guide, and a big part of her work is human transitions into this greater evolution, this Aquarian revolution that's taking place. She's also an expert in the Black Moon Lilith and the unfolding of this Aquarian age. She blends art and science into a sacred map of the soul. And that's what's so great about her reading. She uses astrology to help you understand yourself and your journey through this maze of life and looks at you through the eyes of the soul. Her readings bridge physical, emotional, and spiritual essence of who you are on this path of awakening, the path to your highest potential. Her work is including writings, teaching, workshops. She gives a uh, a full moon, um, I guess, meditation every every month. And I think tomorrow night there is the full moon and she's going for that. So thank you, Raquel. There's more to say. Joan, do you want to add anything? Well, I had the pleasure to meet Raquel this summer and introduced her to Shima, actually. So I'm excited about that introduction. But also I had a reading with Raquel and had a lot of time to talk and find out about her heart and her soul and your Brazilian life. You just have a lot in common with a dear friend of mine, Victoria, I'm going to introduce you to, but you came from a rough background. So it's really amazing to see how one can transform themselves. So I am going to mute myself. I'm looking forward to hearing you. Take it away. Can you hear me? Yep, we got you. Very Wonderful. Nice. Wonderful. Okay, so... Thank you. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. And I feel your hearts and everyone here as well. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I do have an astrology school where I teach this way of using astrology that I call the heart, soul and essence. I like to go to the core of why. And so we do get together as a community once a month. Uh, the full moon gathering is the where we get together as a community. And it's a free offering from my heart to yours. So if anyone is interested, there will be the uh, links shared later on that. And that's what Alan was referring to. Um, and so tomorrow is our full moon gathering. And there I am going to touch more deeply into the big energies of 2023. This is the big year that I've been honestly waiting for um, since 2020. And I remember when COVID first came out and, uh, you know, I'm from Brazil, so sometimes my English is not perfect, but when COVID first emerged in the world and people were asking me, when is it going to end? Remember initially it was like two weeks time for, and I looked at astrology and I said, this is all going to culminate in 2023. And there's many reasons for that. We're going to touch upon that tomorrow at the full moon gathering more deeply. Um, and in the mentorship program in my school, I go even deeper, helping you understand what the relationship is with your chart. 
But I do want to share here the overall picture that we're looking at for 2023 and beyond. Because this is really where it's all at. This is what we are transforming into next. And this is my greatest passion with astrology, is to help you understand the evolutionary coordinates for any given time of your life, where you stand with that responsibility that you chose to incarnate to. So when it comes to the world, uh, it is it is a very you know general here we have the astrology for the world, but we also have our individual unique connection with these alignments. And this is what it's important to remember because Pluto entering Aquarius for the world is activating something in your chart. This is radical shifts in your life. And this is the main message that I want to leave you with. This is the main message that I'm going to summarize everything to because it all boils down to you and the level of transformation and evolution that you have chosen to be a part of. And so 2023 is really that catalyst year where everything shifts. Um, it's that point of no return. Um, There's so many big energies. I mean, even if we look at the eclipses, starting with the eclipses of 2023, they're all happening in different you know, the shifts of the signs and just so many different energies coming in through the eclipses alone, which are vortexes of uh, energies, amplifications of energies that are sent through the world. And these are evolutionary themes. So just there we have the shift of the nodal axis from Taurus and Scorpio into Aries and Libra. And the Aries and Libra axis is... A world axis you know so this is going to be supporting a lot of world events um many people here know that this country the usa has been experiencing its pluto return and um, you know many people hear of the year of 2022 as being the the catalyst year for the pluto return but i've been telling my students that it's it's not it's 2023 you know, really, when you look at the progressed chart of the USA, you never take a return fully into consideration as complete until it passes the progressed uh, placement as well. And so this is really the year where not only we are continuing, but concluding the USA's Pluto return. And everything that happens in this country is just so directly connected with the rest of the world. So we see ramifications immediately everywhere. Um, but this, this is not only, right, it's concluding the USA Pluto return. It's at the last degree. Anything at the last degree of any sign carries a sense of urgency. There is that all or nothing to complete, to conclude, to finish, to wrap up. And then <laughs> the shocking initiation of the zero degrees, which is brand new energy. And so this is happening somewhere in your chart. Whether you like it or not, it's awakening energies in your life. You are graduating from the evolutions and the transformation that you've been mastering in your Capricorn house. And now it's time to open the door to Aquarius. 
Now, the door that we open to Aquarius is really going to be the entire 2023. We're going to be opening that door because, you know, as, as other astrologers already said, we, you know, we only experience a couple months of Pluto and Aquarius, and then it goes back into Capricorn for the rest of the year. And when it goes back into Capricorn, um, things get intense. Um, you know, I wasn't planning on, on really going deep on the Venus retrograde, but uh, we can talk more about it when we when we have the panel. But Venus retrograde is going to be big. I have to tell you, this is where everything gets hot. Um, one of my points of focus is in focus in astrology is really the Black Moon Lilith as well, and that energy. And we started the year 2023. Right now, as we speak, also Pluto is in an opposition with the Black Moon Lilith. I mean, this in and of itself is very telling of the energies of this year. But this Venus, the same Venus is going to reach Leo in July, August, um, and then September is going to station direct. But even the station retrograde is going to awaken the landmark of the pivotal, life-changing eclipse that happened in 2017 in Leo. sit with that for a moment and it is a retrograde you know this is the same ruler that is shifting from being the ruler of the north node in taurus to being the ruler of the south node in libra i mean this is going to be an important time i this is like my where my my gaze is at for the whole year and it's it's going to be big i have to tell you so um you know, there is a, a, a very beautiful breakthrough that happens as we enter January of 2024 and moving forward as well. The squares start to ease up and we do start to see the trines come in, keeping an eye here on the, the time. Um, but this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. We are shifting an entire reality a way of seeing reality, the, all the outer planets are going to start shifting signs one by one. This is huge, huge. So the, uh, Pluto entering Aquarius is just the beginning. But where it gets really exciting, and this is what I want to end with, is that Pluto entering Aquarius is opening the door in your life. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are in the world. If you are on this planet and you have incarnated on this planet, then you have a zero degrees Aquarius. And that part of your chart has already been awakened in December 2020. And now it's going to be awakened like never before. The energy of Aries coming in as the, the energy for the North Node is really going to be an energy of all or nothing. And this is where the leaders are going to be called to rise. This is, after all, how the new reality is going to be ushered in. And so Pluto entering Aquarius is giving you permission to be who you are. Shima was saying something so beautiful about everyone stepping into their purpose this year. And she is absolutely correct. This is because we are going to have no other option but to find the center of our core and to operate from that because everything is going to shift so fast. And Taurus, there's a huge emphasis on Taurus this year. It's one of the biggest energies of this, this coming year, but we're gonna cover that more deeply tomorrow in the 
astrology full moon gathering. But just know that one of the key signatures of Aquarius coming in is this new reality. But there's also a shift of consciousness that's happening here. Because Aquarius represents the cosmic awareness. That's why space travel, cosmic family, galactic connections, it's all coming in now and it's just the beginning. And so, yes, technology is coming in more than ever at this time. We're going to see radical revolutions happen in the fields of electricity, um, Yes, technology, but that's that's not the what I was going to say. Um, finances as well, but community, community and oneness of humanity is going to be at the focal point for this global transition. And this is where we are going to be more than ever made to look around and connect with our community. The other topic I had here for Aquarius and the big shift, electricity, internet. That's going to be huge. There's going to be big shifts. And that is going to affect the way that we connect with everybody. Not talk, not even mentioning the financial systems and so forth. But this is really the time where we are going to connect with community, not only physically, but also emotionally, spiritually, telepathically, which is Aquarius. You know, and the technology, yes, is going to come in. The science is going to come in. Revelations are going to come in. Disclosure. And it really is going to be this pivotal point between the old and the new. How am I doing in time? Have two you, are, you are great. You are doing great. You have one more minute. Two more minutes. One or two minutes. You can wrap up. Yeah, so just wrapping up here, taking a sip, because I can get really into it. You know that. <laughs> Hmm. But this is this is the reality of where we're at, you know, and um, this is like we really are leaving ourselves no other choice but to evolve, but to step into what we incarnated for. And so the transition into Aquarius is going to be embracing your authentic, original voice. It's going to be the the boldness, having the boldness and the courage to step away from everything that you thought you ever wanted and now are realizing that you don't. Connecting with community, being more raw, more real, more pure, coming back to the body. This is going to be where it's going to be at moving forward. And there's going to be many other realities coming in and out and, and playing simultaneously. 2023 is going to be all the realities dancing together and pulling on each other. And it's just that. And this is why it's so imperative that we stay focused. And this is why the South Node in Libra is calling us to even move beyond the need for partnership and relationship in our beloved to look within and allow the leader to rise. And I'll stop here. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. Raquel. Amazing and outstanding, and each of you are so powerful in your expression and letting us know how powerful this year is going to be mm -hmm. and the transformation. So really appreciate that, Raquel. And so hopeful with, the, like, my favorite thing, the Aquarian edge, bring you to that Aquarian, because, I, you know, I am Aquarian, but, but to pick up 
that Aquarian baton really is someone who's also whose focus is also, I would say, in that same mode. In the Aquarian awakening, I I met Leo nights in Tellerico. Is that how you say it, Leo Tellerico? Are you with us, Leo? Yes. Okay, yes. So Leo combines therapy and transformational astrology. He's been an astrologer since 1985. But earlier than that, he had a spiritual awakening in 1979 uh, when he experienced silver mind control, which is really an Aquarian practice where you're learning to use the mind as a tool to heal your body. I mean, silver mind control was an awakening for me too. It's the power of consciousness. And this Aquarian age is really about the power of consciousness. So Leo's been studying um, astrology since um, I think about 1990. He's also opened the Spiritual Renaissance Center with his wife, um, where it's a transformation of consciousness into this age of Aquarius. His focus is on helping people find their way by shining the light on their purpose, their identity, and the higher expressions of their soul. And in 2019, he moved to Sedona. Where else are you going to be if you're an Aquarian <laughs> focusing on the enlightenment of the new age? Actually, both Raquel and Leo moved from Maine to Sedona, which is very interesting. And tonight, I think he's going to be using this lens of astrology to go deeper into this transformation that everyone here so far has been talking about. It seems like this is really the time of new beginnings. And it's, it's, well, well, it's welcome. So, Leo, go ahead. I'm going to start the clock. But go ahead, Leo. Hi. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate that. And uh, I appreciate everyone who's spoken before me. And I just want to... And, you know, age of Aquarius is here. In fact, to me, and, you know, all astrologers or different astrologers have a different idea when the age of Aquarius started or will start. For me, I get the message that when Jupiter was conjunct Saturn on winter solstice 2020 at zero plus degrees of Aquarius, to me, that was symbolically a message. The age of Aquarius is now. And what's going to be happening this year, really important, like everyone said, but for me, it's 23, 24, 25, 26. Life is going to change appreciably over these next four years. Where when we look back from 2027 to now, we're going to say, wow, I can't believe life has actually changed that much. I can't believe our lives have changed that much. I can't believe America has changed that much. Rick took us back to 65, 66 when Uranus was conjunct Pluto. Good time to be talking about because of now. Because then, you know, I was breaking away from the system, breaking out of the old boxes everyone was in, opening up our minds, opening up our hearts to a whole new way of looking at ourselves and looking at life. People saying to dawning of the age of Aquarius was already being spoken. Back then, everybody knew it was coming. And back then, you felt it. Well, now we feel it again. We feel it again. It's time for the age of Aquarius. But remember, more than outside of us, the age of Aquarius is the changing of consciousness inside each one of us. We need to shift and transform our consciousness to be aligned with this age of Aquarius. What does that mean? A age of Aquarius 
it's got a lot of different levels to it. One is, and, and you know, the United States says it's moon in Aquarius. And so a lot of what was written in the Constitution in the United States has a lot to do with what Aquarius is about. Like, for instance, diversity within unity, equality, liberation. These are all uh, power to the people, most importantly. We the people is the most important part of all that. And that's what we're coming up closer to. Now, you look out in the world and I say, Leah, what are you, nuts? Power to the people. It's power to the corporations. It's power to the wealthy. There's no power to the people going on now. This has just started. It has just started. You can see when you look out into the world now, like you look at, at the Republicans trying to get a Speaker of the House. That hasn't happened for over 100 years that you can't get your Speaker of the House. It's like everything is not together in our world, not just our country, but in our world, everything is not together. To me, like I said, the Jupiter Saturn in Aquarius at zero plus degrees, that's the beginning of this Aquarian age. Then Pluto coming into Aquarius this year kind of follows up on that, right? It'll be in Aquarius for like 20 years. If you go back to 1776, when the United States started, just a couple of years after that, Pluto went into Aquarius. So we're having our Pluto return now. Pluto was at 27 plus degrees of Capricorn at our birth. But just a couple of years later, went into Aquarius, just like now, Pluto and Capricorn going into uh, Pluto and Aquarius. And it lasted there, like I said, for, for like for like 20 years. And to me, that was like the being on the cusp of the Aquarian age, because in 1781, also in the middle of all this, Uranus was discovered. What's the ruling planet of Aquarius? Uranus. How Aquarian was it back then? You had two revolutions going on, the American Revolution and the French Revolution. You had Uranus just discovered and Pluto going into Aquarius. You can't get much more Aquarian than that. And it was about out with the kings and the queens and in with the people. And now we're ready for the next level of that. I wanted to add, you know, Uranus Pluto, so important, and Uranus square Pluto, as, as Rick was saying. But Uranus-Neptune conjunction in 1993 is also important. And to me, the Uranus-Neptune conjunction in 1993 was about computers and internet. This is very important for the age of Aquarius because technology is a very important part of Aquarius and about the age of Aquarius. And it's really important. There's a big movement, the return to the feminine, as Raquel is talking about. And a lot of people talking about the, a lot about indigenous people and the loving of the earth, because we're really going to need to concentrate on that going forward into the age of Aquarius, because Aquarius is not about biology. Aquarius is about higher mind beyond biology, because LGBTQ is Aquarius. It's outside of the normal biology, the trans movement is Aquarian, outside of the old normal biology. So you can see all that is coming away from the body and away from the earth in some ways by going way up here. So we're going to have to concentrate in our consciousness as we transform consciousness on staying very connected to our earth and very connected to the health of our bodies. And you'll see how much more important this is going to be as we go further forward. Now, 
I'd like I'd like to touch on something else about predictions now, because I have a feeling that, you know, back in the '60s and '70s, we 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 want to break down the old system. You don't have to worry about breaking down the old system now. The old system is breaking down itself, and we cannot allow ourselves to get into fear mode around that. We need to know that it's all divinely inspired. That this is part of the movement from one age to the next. And if you're in the place that you need to be inside your consciousness and inside your life, your life is going to be just the way it needs to be. You're going to be fine. But a lot of the world's going to get into like big time fear with some of the things that are coming. So you don't want to, you don't want to hook on to the fear. You want to stay with divinely guided. I stay with my transformation of consciousness, my transformation of my life. I look at the synchronicities. I look at the signs and symbols. I'm divinely guided. I'm moving forward with my life in the way it needs to move. And everything is moving from one age to the next in this process. But there's going to be a lot of really difficult things that are going to happen to break down this, this system. And the economy is going to be in, in, in trouble. It doesn't mean that yours has to be in your individual life. You stay aligned, you're going to be okay. But the economy itself is going to be in a lot more trouble going forward these next few years, including this year. And, you know, there's a war going on in Russia and Ukraine. And I can tell you that part of this movement to diversity within unity is that with diversity in unity, we, we, we are finding out that there can't be like superpowers anymore. It's going to be more all over the earth. People are shifting. Cultures are shifting. Countries are shifting. Russia, China, Iran, they're building a power base. Don't be afraid of the power base. It's all come, going to come to the geopolitical place that we all need to go to, a new world, a new world order. That's going to happen also. The wars. Also going to happen. This is my belief. Also going to be happening, because I, I get involved a lot with this as, as Alan does. But I believe that the ET alien presence is going to be stronger as we go forward. I, I believe there's going to be between now and 2026, a grand showing of exactly that, especially as we get into more dangerous places in our world, they're going to show themselves. They're going to show themselves. I truly do believe that. Here's something. I looked at the stock market, looking at when it was built in 1792 and the sun in that chart is at almost 28 degrees of Taurus. When Roswell happened, there was an eclipse at 28 degrees of Taurus. As Raquel said, in 2017 at the solar eclipse, it was at 28 degrees of Leo. There's something going on at 28 degrees of fixed signs now. So if you look and see when that part of the charts, 28 degrees of fixed signs, we know what that is, right? Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius. What things are at, the, at 28 degrees, and this will go for your individual charts too, those of you that are listening in. There's going to be big shifts that happen. These countries have something at 28 degrees of fixed signs. Israel, 28 degrees of Leo, Mars, North Degree of Saturn, 
North, North Korea, Saturn, 28 degrees of Leo. USA stock market, 27 degrees of Taurus. Ukraine, Venus, 28 degrees of Leo. Russia, moon, 28 degrees of Leo. Syria, uh, the North Node, 28 degrees of Aquarius. There's a lot going on at 28 degrees of fixed signs. In February, Saturn is going to go into 28 degrees of Aquarius. Keep your eye on a lot of different places in the world in February as that happens. You know, I'm, I'm a little reluctant to say some of the things that I see that are coming, but, but, I, but I don't know how much to say and how much to not say. I'll just say all of it. Go say ahead. it. Okay. Say it. Say well, it. So, waiting for you. So, um, so when when the second eclipse, there's two eclipses that are coming up soon that are going to be powerful. There's going to be one at 29 degrees of uh, Aries at the end of April, and another one in early May. That's going to be at 15, almost 15 degrees of uh, Taurus Scorpio, a lunar eclipse full moon. These are, these are important. A lot's going to happen in this eclipse season that's coming up. And that, that second one is at 15 degrees of Taurus Scorpio. China's Mars is at 15 degrees of Leo conjunct Pluto. When Uranus goes direct on the 22nd of January, it's going to be at... 15 degrees of Taurus. I would not be surprised at all. Well, I'm not making an absolute prediction, but I would not be surprised at all if China decides to invade Taiwan during that time period. In fact, I, I'd lean toward believing that's going to happen uh, because that's going to happen eventually because our world is changing and it's changing rapidly. And the one thing I want to leave everybody with is you stay out of fear and stay with your spiritual path. You know you've been growing spiritually. You know you look for signs and symbols. You look for synchronicities. You hang out with people that believe as you do, your soul brothers and sisters. And we're all moving through this and into this together. And there's nothing to be afraid of. In fact, there's a lot to be excited about because we're going into a new age, everybody. <laughs> That's so damn exciting. And let's say goodbye to that old age. Come on. Look, look how it's built. Look how that world is built. Look at our country. Look at some of the presidents we've had recently. I don't want to make anybody upset, but look at some of the presidents we've had recently. Come on. It's based on wealth and fame, not based on the values that we started our country with, which are true Aquarian values. And that's what we're coming back to. And that's what the world is going to have. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Leo. Thank you. I, I, I love how everybody's so complimentary. Of course, they're working with the same charts. It's all interpretation, but it's an agreement that I feel it's got, we're moving into exciting times. I really do. What about you, Joan? Well, I get that we better hold on. It's going to be quite a ride to ride this wave, but if we know who we are and we stay centered, we're going to get through this in the big way. So I'm looking forward to the panel discussion on all of this. Thank you so much, Leo. Appreciate that. I can see Rick's mind is working over there and everyone is sort of processing this. Okay. Yeah. Before yeah. we go, I'm just want to say to take us home, <laughs> Michaela Davis, who really, I feel, continues along these lines as an evolutionary astrologer. That's what she calls herself. 
And it's about bringing love and empowerment to those seeking deeper knowledge about their life purpose relationships, traumas, and spiritual connections. It's through her understanding of energy healing, astrology, spiritual coaching, psychic awareness, and personal experience that it allows her to shape her practice and guide others in transformation. Like I think all the astrologers here tonight are really transformational coaches in some way. She feels each person on this planet is full of their unique gifts and can contribute to the collective through their own personal journey. And so her, she, her predictive astrology and everything she'll be talking about, one of her teachers was Anne Ortley, Ort, Ortel, who was actually on this panel a couple of years ago, but she has also studied with, um, who did you say you, your major teachers were there, Michaela? You, um, um, you told me. I mainly work with Tom Jacobs and Simon Forster. Yes, yes. Well, I'm so happy you're here. Don't these people speak your language? Isn't this great to be with colleagues of this quality? So, yeah, tell us what you feel is going on with the understanding that you come from. Whew, so that's a lot to follow <laughs> going last. And thank you, everybody, for your thoughts. I'm actually in alignment with everybody. Um, at, yeah, okay. Everyone's thoughts were... Um, awesome. I'm, I'm in alignment with a lot of this stuff. And so I guess what I'm going to come through here is my, I want to bring together the emotional and psychological dynamics that I feel are going to fall into play into 2023. Um, that's the approach I like to do in my astrology practice to better prepare people how to empower themselves for the year ahead. You know, I don't see this being um, an easy year. And it's not to like put some doom and gloom on anything. It's just that the archetype of Aquarius and Pluto moving into Aquarius is going to be profoundly transformational for us. And it's actually a beautiful time. And I agree with Rick that March is really the start of all this dynamic energy. You know, that's when we have Saturn, these two important transits, Saturn moving into Pisces for the next couple of years and Pluto going into Aquarius, giving you a, a little quick vision of what your next 20 years of your life can be, but then also our own personal journeys and how we're participating in this tapestry unfolding for the entire collective and what we're going forward into. You know, from my approach, I do believe that we reincarnate. I do believe that we have had prior lifetimes. And um, let me fix my camera. Sorry if that's uh, messing with you guys. There you go. Thank you. Um, but, you know, I liked Raquel's uh, uh, view on the door opening. And that's really funny because my opening was Pluto and Aquarius is literally knocking on your door right now. And you're going to get a glimpse of some opportunities and how you can really empower yourself for your individual journey and your individual purpose. Now, this isn't an easy task, 
Pluto in the in the natal chart and as a collective as a transit has to do with the unconscious psychological security patterns that we are carrying into this lifetime. And it's really important to recognize that Pluto, something that brings about a death and rebirth process within our life and within our emotional um, body, if you will, it's moving into a sign that also has to do with our far-term memory, okay? And there's a lot of trauma that is associated within our souls and within our countries and within the world in general about what humanity has been through. So in a way, Pluto moving into this sign, igniting and activating the far-term memories of the trauma that we've been through, it's asking us to pull it to the surface and to actually to heal it. And what Pluto does is it brings this energetic wave of a desire where the soul actually has limits. It feels its limits where it has met those boundaries in prior lifetimes and in this one from the psychological, physical, emotional conditioning that we've been through. Well, it pulls the soul out into the polarity point, which is going to be Leo for us, right? The opposite of Aquarius, Leo, to act out and meet that those things that were giving us resistance and to transform that so that we can bring the power back into ourselves. And so a big part of this journey this year is understanding, okay, what new waves of consciousness and thought are coming into my field? What new ways do I want to express myself in the world are knocking at my door? And this will include people coming out with new inventions. You know, we're definitely going to have new leaders coming into our, our wave of humanity, okay? And there's other aspects that are bringing in these new leaders too, right? We've got Jupiter and Aries right now. Jupiter and Aries is asking you to take great leaps and go forward in uncomfortable situations. You know, Aries makes an a natural square in the zodiac to cancer. So trying something new, even if it's an instinctual, it should be an instinctual desire to go into a new direction. You're going to be nervous and you're going to have some fear because you haven't been there before and it's uncomfortable. And I think it's really important for people to realize that you're going to be ushered in in these certain dynamics with these certain transits over the next few years, right? Where you're going to be challenged and uncomfortable in certain parts of your life, but it's encouraging you to soften the boundaries, right? Saturn and Pisces, soften the limitations, right? Purify the soul, if you will, and create a new life for yourself that holds a higher vision, you know, what do you, what's the dream that you're holding for yourself? You know, Aquarius is an archetype uh, that will literally give up the big paycheck to follow the dream. And I'm a strong believer with my energy work that energy is money and money is energy. And I, I encourage people in the upcoming year, because I do believe that we're going to have some financial, uh, catastrophe is going on and there's going to be more issues around our resources going on <clears throat> to not be in that state of fear and to actually 
go in that new direction, that new inspiration, that instinctual pull that the energy is going to be guiding you towards. You know, this is really a time where you can empower yourself. And, you know, another thing I wanted to point out again, Raquel mentioned, which is really important, is the nodal switch. Okay, so the node switching um, July 17th of this year into North Node Aries and South Node Libra you know, we've already been dealing with the dynamics of letting go of attachments with South Node and Scorpio and being able to understand what's of value to us as far as our resources and our survival needs, okay, with the North Node and Taurus. But I don't really think that these issues that's been being confronted as such as food shortages or maybe power outages or, you know, the lithium being an issue right now all of a sudden, right? All these things, I actually don't really see these becoming major problems until A, we get the dip into Pluto and Aquarius, where we have to reevaluate how we are uh, getting along with the communities, right, in, a, in our immediate world, but also the communities via other countries, right? But also, the South Node in Libra is going to bring up the past dynamics, right? on a like a literal far term level, uh, the past dynamics of what our relationship has been with two other people and other countries in our world. Okay, this is when the South Node is really going to start to bring up the relational dynamics that is happening. And a part of that is hopefully right now people are really understanding and doing a good job of understanding what that north node in taurus means okay what does it mean to be your own resource because in a way pluto moving into aquarius is also leaving behind the social realities and the social customs and the social procedures that we've been conditioned for so long and, you know, certain people having authority and kind of doing everything else for everybody else and people being sheep and putting their heads down to the ground. Pluto moving into Aquarius is now about individuating yourself and understanding that you are the resource. And so while we also have the North Node moving into Aries, it's about being a pioneer. It's about being a leader and having the courage and the bravery to do what you need to do to innovate your life, to make the changes, okay? And you'll bump your knees. You'll bump your head like Aries does. You'll ram into things and you'll make mistakes. And that is totally okay. A part of being a leader is being vulnerable enough to just go out there and do that. And it's also a part of being an inspiration to others and bringing that courage to others to move in that new direction or right? to be fearless. This is your life. You're in control of it. And you also are a part of this big unfolding and your opinion matters. Your voice matters. Your ideas matter. And I feel like a lot of people are going to come out with these far-fetched ideas because Aquarius does see far into the future and it gets there before other people do. So don't dismantle your idea if you're in a group or a couple of people that are like, oh, that'll never work or that won't be a thing or you can't do that. Don't listen to that. Drown out that noise because it's now about bringing joy and inspiration into your life. I do see this also happening um, 
in like kind of a three wave effect, I think some people will be stuck in the Pluto and Capricorn era still where they're like not wanting to let go. And because Pluto will move back into Capricorn, we'll see this tug of war between, you know, people who are really wanting to move forward in these new, uh, you know, innovative breakthrough kind of ways, especially when it comes to the United States and maybe what our constitution means and maybe we need a facelift on it. You know, I do see that happening in our future, um, which, you know, happy to get into that later. But, um, you know, a, a part of Jeffrey Wolfgreen's teaching, right, is understanding the individuating stage of consciousness. When people are in the individuating stage, which Pluto is bringing a whole bunch of us into, if not, we're already there, some of us, right? The first stage is the people who understand that they have a special purpose, but they're afraid of being judged. And the judgment is from the Saturn, right? The judgment comes from, you know, the, we love Capricorn, not trashing on Capricorn or the 10th house or anything like that. But, you know, it, we need the boundaries and we need structure sometimes. But Saturn and Pisces, there's no structure, right? It's going to like, it's going to wash it away, but it's to cleanse it, right? So there'll be a group of people that I think really feel their special purpose, right? They're going to feel that opposition, that desire nature. Pluto and Aquarius jumping into their Leo house, igniting their vitality, their sun sign. I think some people will be afraid, right? They'll be afraid and that's okay, right? Acknowledge it and then let Saturn do the work of developing a deep sensitivity and vulnerability to let go of those judgments that you might feel, okay? And to find new communities, which brings you into the second stage of the evolution, right? Okay, I understand my individual purpose and now I'm kind of ready to act out on it, but the people around me aren't aligned, right? And then that's when you start to go and maybe just find the groups of people who are going to support you on your creative journey and your creative purpose and your inspiration in the world, right? And then, you know, the third part is actually going out there and doing the thing and then taking it back and then sharing it with the uh, community and really empowering everybody else, okay? This is, this is a time where Everybody gets their own special spotlight, but we also get to do it all together. Um, and so my last thought, because I don't even know how much time I went on, but my last thought is that, um, you know, the trauma. We have about yeah. a minute and a half. Yes, go okay. ahead. The, the, the trauma aspect that comes from, you know, Pluto and Aquarius uh, it's normal. And I think it's going to be really important that we touch on psychological and emotional, spiritual dynamics, and even the physical trauma that some people might reintegrate and re-experience. When, when Pluto and Saturn move into their signs this year in March, we also have Mars and Cancer. And to me, this is about re-feeling the dynamics that are coming up for you so that you can rewrite the story for yourself. Okay, so you can re-empower yourself and to heal trauma, it's really about acknowledging it and then reintegrating the personality back into the new storyline. And so we'll be able to get to do this on individual levels, but then also on big collective levels. It's about reintegrating all of us together and retelling that story. I think that's it. That's great, because I'm glad you brought it back to the personal. I mean, astrologers can be really, 
out there cosmically and you know look at the big picture but we also need to be these individuals functioning in the world so this has been a really amazing overview from these what do they say you have a three astrologers you get 12 opinions or something but anyway we have all these very convergent ideas so Joan, I'll just throw out, I mean, if anybody on the panel has anything they want to ask another astrologer or clarify, uh, I also have questions, but anyone have something to say to anything you, yeah, Rick, yes. Yeah, I have one thing I want to say, and I'd love to ask Raquel a question um, that is an issue that has come up for my research and my studies and that is being an expert, uh, and this is going to sound more technical than the question really is, but we astrologers use um, an average motion for many, for, for many things like the, the North Node. Many astrologers use a mean uh, node, and that just tracks the node moving steadily, when in fact the node really wobbles back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Well, in any given moment, the moon's elliptical orbit, when it's as far away from Earth as it can be, this is what we call the black moon Lilith. It's the actually apogee of the moon cycle. The difference between the, 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 the mean node and the true node is typically one or two or three degrees at the most. The difference between the mean apogee or the mean um, black moon Lilith and the true, accurate, in the moment, Black Moon Lilith can be as much as an entire sign. It can be 30 degrees. Which do you use, being someone who's tracked it? Can you hear me? I admit Yes. Myself. Yes. I, I use the mean. I use the mean. You know, it kind of is the same, uh, I guess, the... The energy of the question I get a lot is like the what which one is better, Vedic astrology or tropical astrology? And for me, it really is choose one and use it. It all works and it all ties into the story in a very intelligent way. So the one that I use is the mean uh, for the for the nodes as well. Um and, you know, with that being said, yeah, the black moon Lilith in Leo is gonna be really big. She is gonna conjunct. Venus three times in this retrograde while, while Venus is retrograde and so forth. So whether you use mean or true, um, we're going to feel some energy in Leo. Yeah. Good. Thank you for that. And uh, um, yeah, it's something that I've been asking every astrologer. I'd love to have a conversation with you on this offline, but um, yeah, yeah but that would be great. Station. Um, but I have a question for everyone because I haven't, and I want to go back to the Aquarian theme because I am Aquarius and I have a stellum, an early Aquarius, and my birthday, like I told said to Shima, is the 22nd when Uranus moves into Aquarius. But doesn't that also conjunct? You mean with, when Pluto moves into Aquarius? Excuse me. Uranus also moving into Aquarius on the 22nd. Did you say that, Shima? It changes directions. It changes directions on the 22nd. Directions, that's it. So it's Pluto going into Aquarius for the first time, and then it goes back and forth. But, but Alan, you're, you're not totally incorrect there because Uranus is going to wake up when Pluto enters Aquarius. 
Yeah, talk about that and talk yeah, about it. That's when Taurus is going to like, that's when we're going to see action in Taurus. And talk about it in terms of making contact. By the way, there'll be a new moon in, there'll, there'll be a new moon in Aquarius the day before Uranus okay. goes direct. Oh, I see. So you, Uranus goes direct on the 22nd, not in Aquarius, but in Taurus. But yes. it, it doesn't that square Pluto in Taurus from Taurus to your core? It's a square, right? That yeah, that square is actually the uh, exact the end of July. I see. So, but it's does, close. What does Uranus going direct and Pluto entering Aquarius have to do with extraterrestrials? If, if is, uh, um, Rick, do you want to? Great question, Al. Uh, yeah, I actually, I'm sure Raquel has something to say on this also. Maybe everyone does. But but, but uh, two things. First of all, because Aquarius has to do with the farthest flung realities, you know, this is, you know, the Starship Enterprise, you know, going where no man's explored, no human has explored before. Um, there is this sense of of not not looking at the universe from a geocentric perspective. But in fact, understanding that planet Earth is one node on the network of of life that exists everywhere throughout the galaxies. So I think that there is definitely an Aquarian Uranian connection to um, disclosure. And anyone following that knows that there's stuff right now happening on a legal basis that is very instrumental to what may unfold um, over the years ahead, I was actually on Richard Hoagland's radio show just a couple nights ago talking about the timing of some of this. But I did want to say one other thing, and I'll make this very brief because I know other people have things to say um, important also. And that is that when we astrologers talk about Aquarius, we tend to become Sagittarian. And what I mean by that is that, and I say this tongue in cheek, what I mean by that is that Sagittarius is the only sign that doesn't have a shadow. Obviously, that's not really true. But if you know Sagittarians, they don't spend time in their shadow. They spend time in the hope, in the possibilities, in the adventure, in the future. And when we astrologers talk about Aquarius, we become Sagittarians because we forget about the shadow of Aquarius. And 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 when anyone starts going on I don't care who it is, and I do myself also. Um, when we start going on about the age of Aquarius and about the equality and the equanimity and the bigger picture and all of that, and people start talking about they can't wait until all this growth and this enlightenment, I have one word to say. Borg. Because... Because anyone who knows Star Trek and knows Borg, who are you? We are Borg. We shall assimilate you. Resistance is futile. A perfect example of an Aquarian society, aside from Borg, is, is a termite hill. Because, because there is a loss of individual perspective and consciousness when equality becomes the larger scenario. And we see this unfolding with the World Wide Web becoming our exo-nervous system, to use the words of Marshall McLuhan. And I think it's the, the bigger thing that's looming out here. And, and a couple of people, Michaela and I think Raquel also, 
um, and Shima, actually, I guess everybody mentioned um, the, um, as we get later on into the 20s, what was the Uranus-Pluto conjunction of the mid-60s that became the Uranus-Pluto square of the 2010s, by the end of the 2020s, 2026, 27, 28, that becomes a trine. And so that energy, again, of Uranus being associated with Aquarius is going to emphasize that Pluto and Aquarius energy. And, um, and, and, and yet I think we have to be aware that there is a larger battle brewing larger than any. We see it already in the bifurcation of politics, but no one has their finger on what the um, real symptom is. And I'll tell you what the symptom is or what the underlying cause of the symptom is. And it has to do with post-humanism or transhumanism. We are in a state of development where we are becoming something else and we're either going to adapt and go along for the ride or we're going to fearfully, as Freud said, go into infantile regression and we're going to make things great again the way they were, even though when they were great, they sucked. And it's the AI (laughs) talking about the AI factor that, you know, any technology like fire was a technology you always need to look at the great and dark side of any evolving technologies. And this is what we're facing. But Leah, I'd like to hear what other people yeah. say about that. Too. I, heard you, I heard you talk about the, the Borg and the AI coming. And I heard in the back of my head, yeah, there's like a theory that humans are going to be dispensable with that. Yes, well, I wanted to add, you know, I I, I touched on it a a little bit in my talk, but, you know, the thing that Sagittarius and Aquarius have in common is they they both can forget they have a body. So Aquarius, as we move into the age of Aquarius, like I started to say before, we have to really concentrate on staying with the earth, staying with our bodies, because there's a lot, biology is not important to Aquarius. The biological, that's not important. What's important is what's up here in the mind and in the technology. So we're going to have to really concentrate, speaking of the shadow, Rick, we're going to have to really concentrate on being in our bodies, honoring our bodies and honoring the earth. It's going to be really easy to leave our love of the earth for all of the things that are going to be up and above the earth. And Raquel, did you have something to add to that whole discussion? Unmute. How the energy of Aquarius is specifically influencing the whole space awareness. Well, the very first thing about that that I have to say is that with Aquarius entering the picture more than ever now, humanity is ready. It's just as simple as that. Like I said, Aquarius has to do with the higher awareness. It belongs to the triad of the air signs. And so in Aquarius, we see the highest level of intelligence, the capacity to hold that cosmic awareness. And this is why we see a lot of genius uh, uh, scientific breakthroughs that come from there and that whole energy and even astrology comes from Aquarius. And this is why we're seeing a a revival in, in, in astrology as well. But the most important thing right now is that it really does open a door for us to not only um, hold a level of intelligence that now allows us to understand, to see, to, right? Because we see one thing, we see all of it. So 
but now there's also these cycles that are aligned, opening that door more than ever for these types of things to be a part of our reality. And so that's why we've been having so many movies, for example, preparing us for this time. And, you know, the, the, this, this is the time that we are more than ever. If there was ever a time, right, Shima, is that what we were talking about last night? If there was ever a time in history <laughs> that we've been ready for this, I mean, this is it. This is it. And so people are ready for that next level freedom, next level independence, next level connection, including connection with the cosmic family. So I hope right. that helps. Shima, go ahead. Exactly. You know, um, I was listening to a, a, a talk uh, one of Chris Brennan's like four hour overviews of the year was fascinating. And one of the things that was discussed and it was like so many eye openers. This has just been like so amazing to really kind of like focus in on it. But um, I think it was in November, Mercury was squared Neptune and a new uh, app came out that uh, you could actually give it uh uh, let's see, what was it? Let's see here. Chat GPT. And it was a new AI chatbot. And you could give it directions to do just about anything. And he explored with it, asking it to make a simple opening for his astrology podcast. And it did it like in seconds. It was like so quick. And then he explored with it further and it actually could delineate. He could ask it like, what does this and this and this mean? So, and there's like all of this, like um, uh, photographic bots and all of these things to change your image and all these. So, you know, in terms of the dark side of the Aquarian energy, there's going to be a lot of issues coming up when it comes to um, proprietary rights about things. Who owns what? Who can take your image? Who could take your words? Who can take you know, um, and and I think uh, Michaela mentioned uh, uh, in terms of humanity being um, maybe not necessary, but or or maybe it was Leo. I'm sorry, I don't remember. But um, it really has humanity. We are like ready for can't even begin to think about really what's coming. I mean, um, by the next year, it'll be interesting having this conversation next next year because. It's, you know, just having that Pluto shift in there a minute. Hold on to your hats. And really, I think it's so, so important for us all to really get in tune with our own, our own energies, because it's not going to be an necessarily, you know, an easy ride. It's going to be kind of like where we're kind of going, what is going on? Oh, oh, I forgot. Oh, right. This, we're in the right place. This is, this is what's called changing of the ages, which is not like a, a year or a month or a couple of years. This is like we're at the beginning of a 26,000 year, 26, year cycle. Endings and beginnings. It happens over, you know, 72 years, one side, 72 years, the other side. We say, well, we heard this, we heard this, we heard this. Well, it's a, it's, we are in an amazing time. We are so all fortunate to, I, so fortunate here at this time. I hope we live a long time so that we can really kind of like see it. So thank I you. Agree. Uh, I, I agree. just I wanted yeah. to ask Michaela though. Oh, we haven't heard yeah. from Michaela. 
I know I have a question to, related to this Aquarian dark side that Rick brought up. How do we stay? I mean, as we move more and more into Aquarius, I'm Aquarius. It's a good thing I have a Taurus moon that keeps me on the planet, but I can tend to just be out there. How do you say, because you actually work with grounding and all that. What do you say about this Aquarian tendency to just go out and not focus on earth? Well, I think one of the dynamics we might see is the, you know, the creative genius that thinks that their uh, new way of living or invention or life or, you know, gift to humanity is so amazing that they kind of get egotistical about it, right? Because it's the opposite. We have to take in the Leo quality as well with Aquarius. Um, and you know, a good check-in is, is like, okay, is this helping anybody? Is this inspiring anybody? Is this cre like creating a better world for us? Is this holding a better vision? Um, but you know, as Rick had mentioned too, we do have those four retrograde periods in earth signs this year. And those are going to be really important for people to slow down and kind of get back into the grounding and back into their body right? And reflect and kind of slow down on what the acceleration is happening in our individual life and on our collective life. Um, you know, it's it's good to, to go off on, on that bigger picture. You know, it's good to start to uh, allow spiritual diversity, if you will, and a collective diversity and allow the collective of consciousness to evolve. But don't forget that you're still in this human vessel, right, which is Saturn. And that might be really hard for us to deal with this year, is to remember that we actually have a human body that needs food and nutrition and light, because Saturn is going to be dissolving these things, right, in some way, in, in Pisces. It's going to be loosening that, that boundary, if you will. You know, but on the flip side, I look at Saturn in uh, Pisces as you know, address, crossing a threshold where addictions need to be uh, met or a detoxing sense need to be met, you know, and in a way it's like addictions and detoxing from food that we're incorporating in our body, but then also the way that we're relying on other companies or other countries for our resources, right? So there's this really big dissolving type of backdrop that I feel is happening um, and then also just to talk about the, um, the, the aliens coming in too, a part of me really feels that like, yes, I, I do believe that we would have more contact coming in, but they also like, if you were another species going to another planet, you'd want to feel comfortable and safe. Right. And so this age of Aquarius that we're moving into in like a, a couple hundred years, Rick, you know more about that than I do, but then also Pluto and Aquarius like if we want to make contact and if we want to evolve and have higher technologies and live a better life, then we need to worry about the people on our planet first getting along, you know? And so I think that Saturn for the next three years is going to be a big instrument to this, you know, because Pisces also wants you to have compassion and sensitivity for yourself and for others. Well, thank you. It's, it's oh, Leo, did you have something you wanted to add there? Wait, unmute yourself. Unmute, Leo. And then Jonah. Leo. I just wanted to add about Chiron. I wanted to ask everybody about their opinion about Chiron and Aries right now with Jupiter and Aries too. 
Um, you know, to me, Chiron is like really important, much more than people make out, but not for some of the reasons that people talk about. For me, it's like Chiron sits in between Saturn and Uranus. And so for me, Chiron is a bridge between our lower consciousness and our higher consciousness. It's a bridge between the 3D reality on the one hand, Saturn down in, and the multidimensional world that's Uranus on out. So to me, Chiron is extremely important as a bridge, and that's how it's a healer. It's a healer by being a, a bridge and a balance between those two levels. What what does everyone here feel about Chiron and Aries right now? Yeah, Ra Raquel, do you want to take that on, and then we'll go around? Go ahead, Raquel. Unmute, unmute, Raquel. Oh, here. <laughs> um, Leah, thank you for bringing that up. You know, Chiron is, is actually one that I didn't really dive deep into the heart soul essence this year, but I would love to exchange some thoughts with you on, on Chiron this year. But I do see uh, Chiron in this, uh, you know, dual expression of one, it may bring up some health <clears throat> themes into the world at that time. Um, we may see some some movement in there in regard to vaccines and so forth. But I see more than anything what I've been telling my students about this conjunction coming up in Aries with Jupiter and, and Chiron is really that push from spirit to like, this is it, step into it. Because this is the big theme for the year is like action, go, capital G-O, go. And I really see this as like that that burst of energy for you know, the healers and, and the ones that have been on this path, which is the higher path of Chiron. Um, so that's, these are my thoughts on it. Any, anybody else on Chiron? And let's, sorry, let's just remember before I finish that, the ruler of this duo, both Chiron individually, everything he does and Jupiter in there and their conjunction is Mars. And he is out of bounds until, you know, what, May, June. I mean, it's, 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 it's a lot of energy there in Aries and then the node shifting into there as well. So big point of action focus. Anyone else want to talk about Chiron? Well, oh. Rick, go ahead. Then I see Shima wants to, Michaela, good. Want to hear it all. Yeah, just, just a couple of things. First of all, it's really difficult for me to not take uh, Chiron's move through Aries personally because I have Sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, and the North Node all in Aries. And so and so I'm getting a little bit of uh, Chironic lessons these days. Um, and um, but but I think that, um, you know, like Alan said, um, I think that a lot of people underestimate the the potency of of Chiron. Um, the the idea of um, Chiron being the rainbow bridge, so to, so to, so to speak, um, because Chiron actually cuts inside of Saturn's orbit, and then it's so extreme that it goes outside of Uranus's orbit. So we really have to understand it as the connective principle between the physical and the metaphysical realms. That's that's number one. Number two. I'm so tired of hearing people call Chiron, Chiron the Wounded Healer, as if that was Chiron's name, Chiron the Wounded Healer, because it emphasizes the wound. Now, there's a, the best book I've ever read on Chiron was written by a Jungian psychologist who was not an astrologer. There's no mention of Chiron in the book. 
Um, but the book is on Chiron because people understand or people who have studied it understand that Chiron in some ways is the story of the Fisher King. And there is a book by Robert Johnson called The Fisher King and the Handless Maiden. And the subtitle says it all, Understanding the Wounded Feeling Function in Masculine and Feminine Psychology. Understanding the Wounded Feeling Function in Masculine and Feminine Psychology. This isn't Wounded Chiron. This is Wounded Human. <laughs> and Chiron was the original mentor. That Chiron was granted, you know, immortality because he was such a brilliant teacher. He taught Asclepius and Hercules. And, and so Chiron, instead of always getting this wounded healer piece, yes, he has a wound, but he is a teacher or was a teacher. Uh, I guess if he's immortal, he still is a teacher. And from that standpoint, it's what can we learn when we connect the metaphysical or the physical to the metaphysical, or what can we learn when we, in, in a way, um, Chiron is like the corpus callosum, connecting the right brain, left brain, connecting the patriarchy and the matriarchy, the yin and the yang, the blah, 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 blah. Anyhow, that's what comes to my mind. And it's hard for me not to take it. Personally. Great, great. <laughs> uh, Sh Shima, did you want to go? Well, you know, um, gosh, Rick, I've forgotten all of your, uh, all of your areas there. And for me, I've been looking at it between my Mars and my my Venus. And Chiron has a, a 50, 51 year cycle. So for those of us who have been here for a while, you know, looking back to what happened the last time Chiron was in this degree, this. Uh, 12 degree, I, I happened to notice that when it was on my Venus was when my mother died. And that was like shocking one day. I just kind of like, oh my God, look where Chiron is. Somebody I was turning 50 and they asked you, look at their Chiron in their chart. So one of the wonderful things about having many cycles on this planet is you get to look at the cycles of the planets and, and see how they affected you last time. So I love, you know, I love the fact that Rick always talks about um, uh, the, the Chiron as the teacher. And I have some other teachers that talk about Chiron as the teacher versus the wounded healer all the time. You know, but it does definitely touch deep. You know, it really goes really deep. But look, look to see where it is, where it, where it was last time, if, you're, if you were around for that cycle. Okay, let's get to Michaela, and then we'll come back to you, Leah, and then... John has a question. Michaela, anything on Chiron? Totally. Uh, so I'm, I'm with Rick. I'm an Aries and Chiron's right on my sun and squaring my natal Chiron and moon. So, uh, you know, I have to give credit to Tom Jacobs right here because he has taught me so much about Chiron and it being an energetic antenna of a sensitivity that you are always aware of in your life. And the more work that I've done over the last couple of years, as it's been vibrating over my chart, I have realized that it's become a key, like an unlocking of a key that's so personal and intimate to the self that you can unlock other parts of your chart. So, you know, I'm there too, is with Rick is saying, I'm, you know, the wounded healer is kind of a little outgrown for me because it's 
always going to be there. You're always going to have your Chiron wound there. And it's always going to be activated in different parts of your life and give you different lessons. But it's a total personal journey for yourself so that you can, you know, heal the parts of yourself, your inner child, if you will, so that you can um, live into the other dynamics of your chart. Beautiful. Yeah, Leo, did you want to add something? And Joan, I know you have questions. Sorry. Yeah, I would, I, I would like to uh, one thing to the myth of uh, Chiron. And actually, I learned this from, from reading Liz Green. But Chi Chiron, um, as Rick said, taught humans, taught them so much. Prometheus was tied down. He was trying to bring fire from the gods to the humans. So this ties into Aquarius a lot. Prometheus, a very Aquarian figure. He was bringing fire from the gods to humans. Think how much that's about Aquarius, right? No more kings and queens and gods and goddesses. We, the people, have the power. So what happened to him was he traded his immortality in, and he traded with Prometheus. He took Prometheus' spot, got tied up himself. Prometheus was set free to bring the fire to humans. So I just thought that really... It was so much with the Aquarian age, all of that. Yeah, let me interject here. Thank you for that, Leo. That Rick Tarnas, who we all know from Cosmos and Psyche, yeah. uh, wrote a book about how he believes that Uranus was misnamed and that Uranus should actually be named Prometheus. Oh, I like so that. So what you're saying is exactly yeah. right on with that. I like that. That's interesting. I've never heard that. That really changes a lot. That's amazing. That's great. Okay, Joan, I know you are. Yes, please. Well, I have a few questions, and it's more on the on the issue of practical astrology. So, one of my questions is: there's such division among the around the world, and in the United States, in particular, you know, with di differing opinions and people not even being able to tolerate each other. One side can't stand the other, and vice versa. And even in in home parties. If you ever get on those topics, it's very divisive. So what do the stars say about the healing of some of these divisions? Is that possible in 2023? Are we going to see anything like that? And you can raise your hand and start. Anybody? How are we healing the division? I'll go first. <laughs> so again, when I, when I hear division, I think of Saturn, right? Because of the boundary layer. And, you know, it would behoove us or hopefully the energy guides us into the Pisces way of being able to forgive, right? Or having a willingness to forgive. And I think that there's a important dynamic is that, you know, even with Aquarius, I have a lot of Aquarius in my chart, um, you don't have to like everybody, but you do believe in equality and fairness and what is fair, you know, and there's a way that Aquarius will show up and, you know, and they will be fair about things, <laughs> you know, so hopefully with this combination of, you know, Saturn asking us to develop that sensitivity, forgiveness, or having that willingness to forgive, if you will, and having this type of selfless love for people or companies or countries who have crossed our boundaries, if you will, in certain ways, you know, hopefully we can mature, which is a Saturn theme, 
mature into a higher understanding of, you know, what it means to be human, right? What it means to make mistakes and, um, you know, be conditioned as children and have to grow up and decondition ourselves and come into our own self and re-empower ourselves, you know? So hopefully there's this washing away and cleansing effect that happens this year um, that allows people to kind of let down their walls in a sense and um, and open up themselves to to the new opportunities that can come in or the new connections that can come in. That's optimistic. Thank you. I like that. Does anyone have anything else? Leo? Yes. Above my head is how it all comes together, right? The yin-yang symbol. Oh, God, and, and, and to me, part, part of the age of Aquarius is moving beyond us versus them consciousness, which will bring together male and female more, dark and light, yin and yang, obviously. That's what's happening for those of us that are moving forward in our consciousness. We are moving more and more to what that represents. And it's, I don't have to war with you because you're different than me. I can have a conversation with you and we can learn to live together, even though we're so different than one another. I think those that are moving forward in their consciousness, that's where they've been going, isn't it? We like to think so. Yes. Shima, do you have anything you want to add to this? You know, I'm just I'm just wondering, you know, when um when uh when Saturn and Neptune conjunct, and do you know when that is, Rick? I see you shaking your head. I don't remember the date of that, but I would think when Saturn and Neptune come together. In 2024. Yeah, I think it's in when April. Is that April 2024. Um, uh, yes, because I think that that I get that that could be really a time. And, you know, if you think about Neptune, Neptune has, you know, Neptune has all this higher information and connecting and all of this boundary list thing. But it's also confusion and disillusion and fake news and all of that. So, you know, in, in all of the planets and all of these situations and all of these coming to, so uh, there's always a front and a back. There's always the positive and the negative. There's, and it's up to us to make the decision about how we handle it. It's our, um, it's evolving ourselves so that we can really be in that situation. And um, um, one of the things I did want to mention. Because as as uh, as Saturn and Neptune come together, and as each one of the planets come together, it's like that whole new moon energy. It's a whole new beginning of things, and it goes through that whole cycle of new moon, quarter moon, half moon, uh, or full moon, etc. So watch the moon because that's each one of the planets are going to have that kind of uh, interaction when they come together. It really is a new beginning. Beautiful. I would like to add, if I can, something to connect what Shima just said right now with the new beginnings coming in and also the beautiful question that Joan asked, because this is a very real scenario that we are um, going through in this in this um, this apparent breaking of worlds and realities. And there is a lot of people right now, including families and loved ones that are just not really seeing eye to eye and, and many things. And how do you forgive? How do you coexist, right? And I wanna um, add to that and 
say that 2023 really is that catalyst year where it's all or nothing. So above and foremost, I feel like we need to be in a place where we are okay with the choices that people make at the end of the day. Okay, we can have our perception, we can have, a, we can share, but there is a moment to pull back and let them make their choices regardless of who they are. But it is something that for the people that are committed to doing the work, which is that shadow work um, and the healing work and all of that, that we've been talking about, there is a level, there's a threshold that we're collectively entering with the Chiron energy. And not meaning to get too far ahead, but I, I don't know if any of you have been paying attention to this, but uh, we are going to be having a Chiron return very soon. And this is something I've been talking to my students as well about as well, because we are preparing for a brand new cycle on what the Chiron energy represents for us. And this is where we see that catalyst between Chiron being associated with the wounded healer to the big shift of the teacher. And so, you know, it, it, uh, the synchronicity with all the other big shifts and Pluto and Aquarius and everything else that's going to be leading up to the Chiron return in 2027, 2028, um, it's going to really encourage the superhuman, quite literally, to be birthed. And this is a phase where we're going to see a, a rebirth of Chiron coming into the picture for all of us, for humanity. Um, and this is where it, like, it pays to do the work. You know, those of us that are committed to forgive and open our hearts and see what's in store once we cross that line and once we can travel faster and lighter, oh my gosh, we can be at that place at that time for that return and take it to the next level. So, and the superhuman is the new you. Yes. Well said. And we haven't heard from you on the subject of immunity. But Rick, yeah, Rick, what do you have to, yes. Yeah, I hate the mute. The mute button on, in Zoom is in the box, and I keep going to mute myself or unmute myself in the wrong place. Um, just a very quick remark to what both Shima and and Raquel said. Raquel speaks so much more. Um, I don't know. Her voice is just gentle and and and, and eloquent, and I appreciate your words. The poetic may be a better Thank way you. to say it. Three uh, but she, I'm sorry. What? Three grand chimes in air. <laughs> ah. Well, um, and, but in reference to Shima used a very important word talking about the Saturn conjunct um, or to conjoin uh, Neptune. And it's it, this Saturn Neptune conjunction is interesting to me because Saturn is not comfortable. And it's and, and this in Pisces, it's Neptune's Neptune's on solid ground, as crazy as that sounds. Um, or Neptune is comfortable not being on solid ground. And so Saturn's meeting up with Neptune on Neptune's turf. And so I think here that Neptune is in command, not Saturn. But you used a key Neptune word that we react to in a way that is, is not really what the word means. And the word you used was confusing. And you said, well, well the dark side is that Neptune can be confusing and other things. The word confusion is derived from the Greek. Fusion is when two things melt together. And con is like with, uh, like, like a conjunction. It's with being in the same place. And so to be confused actually means to lose one's boundary between self and other. 
which is why we say Neptune is spiritual, because a lot of the spiritual traditions have to do with ego dissolution. And so this Saturn-Neptune conjunction in Pisces is a grand opportunity to practice that dissolution of ego, which is confusion. And, you know, it's interesting, but but probably the single most initiation point to anyone's spiritual journey is reaching a point in their life where they're confused. Because confusion, we have, oh, that's so terrible. I'm so confused. No, congratulations. If you're con- congratulations, if you're confused, you now have an opportunity to step into a non-egoic state and let your boundaries down. It always reminds me, the Saturn Neptune, it reminds me of the uh, Beatles. Um, goo 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 what is it? I am you as you are me as we are all together. That's what we're talking about, and that can be as confusing as hell. Doesn't also the Pluto in Aquarius also dissolve that sense of ego sense of, of, of self as well? I think Pluto dissolves ego sense wherever it is. In Aquarius, that doesn't have, yeah, yeah, in the same sense yeah. that the other signs do. This was very, very helpful. Uh, I think optimistic, still getting to the fact that it's how we handle this inside. But now I have another question. So I think you started us off, Rick, when you talked about the dawning of the age of Aquarius, you know, 40 or 50, a long time ago. And, and maybe think of the following. So there's a push and pull going on now between freedom and restriction. Freedom versus restriction. And I'm curious how that's playing out in the astrological realms and what we can expect, because this is this is, you know, the the existence of humanity as a free society. So I'd like to hear from all of you. Uh, Leo raised his hand first. So go for it, Leo. Quite a big part of it has been Saturn square Uranus that's been going on for a while now. Mm -hmm. So Saturn is restriction, Uranus is freedom. And they've been at war with each other. They've been square to each other now for a few years. And so that's what we're kind of working out. Just what you said. How do we do that? How do we make it where we create the boundaries and the groundedness that we need and keep things as they are, like Saturn wants, but at the same time, move forward, break out of the box. And order versus chaos is another way of looking at Saturn and Uranus and their extreme. Do you see freedom? Like, do you see this breaking in a way that, that, results in less restriction and and more movement at some point well, well well hopefully there's less restriction but along with it there's a grounding so that we don't get tossed all around chaotically yes i do see us with less restriction but hopefully with some grounding along with it got it anyone else want to take that one on raquel it's a big one taking a deep breath a big here. One. <sighs> okay so um, you know, this is really, I can hear an echo. I don't know if it's your mic, Joan, but, um, this is really the culmination point so far up until this point of the introduction of the age of Aquarius. I saw that as one of the questions that came up several times in the, in the chat box. When did it begin? Um, and there is no date to begin or end because there is no, way to precisely know when a constellation begins and when it ends. So it is a transition period, and we have been in that transition period, in my opinion, since Uranus was discovered. That's my honest opinion. Um, In the late 1800s, we started to see a burst of it. 
Another big one of it was when the hippie movement, that was huge. Another huge burst was the internet that came in. And we've had these like bursts of energy of the introduction of the age of Aquarius. Um, and so what happens is that, of course, you know, since the the very highlighted uh, Jupiter and Sa uh, Saturn conjunction at zero Aquarius of all places um, back in December 2020, we've had a lot of focus just ramming that Aquarius zone. And so what happens is that this we've been leading up to this point, the Uranus and, and Saturn square that has been in place since 2021, really, if you look at the planet Saturn and the planet Uranus and notice the connection between Pluto and Capricorn, Saturn by being the ruler of Capricorn and Pluto by getting ready to activate Uranus by entering Aquarius. And so it really does like show so intelligently this, the break of the old versus the new. Now it's important for us to remember that this is above and foremost happening within we are ready for that breakthrough. So that's why we've been seeing these moments build up until now, which is really when Pluto finally enters Aquarius and ignites Uranus. This is where we're like, everything that's been building up, we'll just see it escalate from there. So um, what was the question again? <laughs> right. What was that question? It's oh, like, are we going to... Oh so the, 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 right. Are we, are we getting to that freedom? Well, this is the exciting part. Are we, what's happening? What's happening right now is that we are at a moment that is more fertile than ever for the new to come in. Now, what's the new? Nobody really knows. This is where 2023 is that convergence between all the intentions and all the powers and all the forces and everyone trying to come in at the same time um, because they know it's it's time. So everything has to shift. And so this is where I, I want to share my message here for us to be really, really aware, because if we are not consciously aware of this process, this shift is going to happen with or without us. And this shift is going to come in determining the pace for us because Aquarius, the shadow side, is also that radical, you know, communism. That's the shadow side of equality and humanity, right? And all those other things. And so we can see the authority impose what the new is going to be. However, what we need to be aware of is that more than ever, we are ready for us to stand up and choose and decide. And so using that God-given right and sovereignty that we have, that is now more than ever ready to stand up, this is what it's all about. So we shall see. We shall see. Well said, Raquel. We shall see what we see. Fima, do you want to add anything to that? Sound? I know. It's, it's like, it's, I, I'm like Rick. I keep going for that other one. But um. You know, Joan, when you asked that question, it was kind of like, it was, it's sort of like the two archetypes of, of Saturn and Uranus. I mean, those are the words astrologers have been using the last three years, the old versus new, freedom versus restriction, that whole thing. And, and, and what's going through my mind is something, and Rick, you probably know these dates, but the, the, the Magna Carta and... and so much of what's going on now with Pluto and, you know, 
I don't have my list of all my dates and my events here, but these, these occurrences between um, Saturn and Uranus and Pluto and the, what we've been seeing since 2020 with um, uh, Saturn and Pluto coming together. And there was an eclipse that weekend and Uranus went direct that weekend. And it was just kind of like, there was all suddenly everything just kind of went, all right, here we go. The world was just COVID. You know, I was in the hospital myself, but uh, which was shocking. But there was like all of this stuff going on on the planet. It was just so amazing. And we've just, you know, I, I have this sense that when you look at history, and I love when Rick talks because he brings in so many different cycles about things. And it turned me on to that like really a while back. And I just love it. Um, but that, you know, so many of the historical events, the the revolutions, the 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 Magna Carta was like the first the first document to come down to give power to the people. You know, we're going through these cycles after the revolution of people coming to get, thank you. Thank you, Danielle, 1215. And, um, and I forget which cycle that was because there's just so many cycles converging right now. But um, it's, we're in a, I, I think, as I say, it's going to be, there's going to be some rocking and rolling to find our own center inside. And it, I, I just get like, we are like in this special, we are in this where all of the beings want to be here at this time because we are birth, we are truly birthing a new earth. We are truly opening up. Humanity is waking up its eyes and the, the UFOs, Alan, the ETs, our star families, they're like, they're like, okay, they're, maybe, maybe it's time now. Humanity may not like try to blow us out of the water as much as, as they did at one time or do all the nasty things that have been done through the years. So um, all of the, you know, the well front, said. the front has the back and that's really what's happening right now. And I well really said. get that. And I didn't get that until recently. Well, very well said. It makes me think that we all should come back together in March like when the big hit th stuff hits and have this panel again to see what's going on. Michaela, maybe you want to speak and then Rick can finish the subject. I also want to ask Michaela about the evolutionary aspect that she's seeing, in including in your question, John. But go ahead, Michaela. <coughs> so I think it's just going to take time. You know, the, the evolutionary aspect of this, um, everyone's made amazing points. And you know what, uh, Shima, I like that you talked about the birthing process, because again, that brings me back to, you know, Chiron being in Aries right now and Jupiter being in Aries right now, giving us a new opportunity to birth new truths and philosophies for us as cultures and as individuals. But then when the nodes also shift and we have the north node in Aries, right, there is going to be that birthing process that comes through in our individual sections of our chart. And then also it's huge for the United States. You know, there's a repeating theme in the United States chart where the fourth house, which is originally the cancer house, right, it's in Aries 
And then the United States has a Cancer uh, Sun, right, with the, the Jupiter there and the Venus there. So, you know, for at least for the United States as a country itself, it is going to be birthing itself a new way of how, you know, we're running ourselves, right, and how we're being the leading edge in the world. You know, in an individual sense, too, it's it's really about shedding some of your skin, you know, getting out there into a new version of you, right? And and what do you want that to look like? And just allow yourself to, um, you don't have to rush into anything, you know what I mean? Like, just remember that you're still a human having a human experience, okay? And there's a lot going on and you can get so much information out there and that can be overstimulating in itself. Like, that's another issue that we run into right now is like all the social media taking up too much mental space. Like, take some time out sometime to get into nature and to ground yourself and to connect to your soul on that level and don't get so trapped up by all this air energy, right? Because air lifts us up. And over the next couple of years, like, you know, we're going to have not only Pluto and Aquarius, but we're going to have Neptune and Aries, and we're going to have Uranus and Gemini. And then we're going to be really ungrounded because that air and fire is going to just take us up here, right? And so we're going to need to remember that we still have our bodies, we need to be centered, uh, you know, and some and grounded in some type of way. Thank you for that. That gives us a lot of confidence in it. And also, I realize it's not an easy answer. It's not going to happen direct. It's actually going to be a convoluted experience from what I'm hearing. Uh, Rick, do you have anything you'd like to add on the subject? Always. I knew it. I just knew it. <laughs> um, I love the connection that Ra Raquel made with reference to uh, the Uranus and Saturn. And there's another piece here that is that's quite significant that I don't see a lot of astrologers talking about. But remember, from about 2010 to 2015, um, 2012 to 2015 exactly, there were seven um, squares between Uranus and Pluto. Now, although we've talked about Saturn conjuncting Pluto, uh, you know, January of 2020, and then we've talked as a separate event about Saturn squaring Uranus, that would be 2021 into 2022. From a larger perspective, we need to think that the Uranus-Pluto square occurring in the outer um, uh, ethereal, metaphysical, um, trans-Saturnian realms, that from 2020 through late 2022 Saturn basically came through that square and crystallized it. In other words, what we see as two separate events, the Saturn conjoining Pluto and then Saturn squaring Uranus is really actually part of one sweep of Saturn, like a, like a sweep second hand coming through that square, even though the square has dissipated and is not within traditional orb. This is why this particular Saturn Uranus square was so, so, so potent because it's playing as part of a larger event. Uh, the other thing is that Shima, um, the Magna Carta actually was signed in June of 2015. 
and the Saturn-Uranus conjunction was in October of 2015. So it was a Saturn-Uranus um, conjunction. Wow. Thank you. That is great. I mean, I like the big picture view that all of us have put together, all you have put together, and so many aspects. It's, it's like we're playing with the nature of reality itself, in a sense, and its effect on human consciousness. But so. I mean, it's interesting. We're going to be watching how it plays out. And, you know, I think 10 years from now, we'll go, wow, in 2023, this is where I was. And look how we've grown now. And we've ridden the wave of, of human transformation, which it does sound like ultimately is going to be a wave of freedom and a wave of awareness and ascension and consciousness. From if, what you all are saying. Humanity, if we hold on to the vital essence of the human, the compassionate, loving human side, I think that's... I think we should have everyone, as we, we're signing off now, but I think everyone should have like 60 seconds, 90 seconds of your last minute thoughts, okay? Yeah, and give a little promotion for what you're working on too and events and everything that's coming up, so... Take, yeah, take a minute or two to do that. So, now who wants to go first? Okay, Raquel. Yeah, so let's do this Raquel, Shima, Leo, Michaela, and Rick. Okay, okay. So, um, you know, just to uh, add, uh, did you have the links to the event tomorrow for the full moon? Can we put those pictures up now, uh, Tina? Yeah. So I have some, it should be on the description, but we are, um, we'll be sharing the link that you can either just go to my website, www.raquelspring.com, um, or click on the link for the full moon gathering that we're having. This is a free community gathering to help everyone understand these energies that we talked about um, in a specific way that is gonna guide you through the year from an evolutionary perspective. So we are gonna address the Saturn and Pisces and all those energies in depth. Um, and, and, and really there's nothing like knowing your own chart. And this is what I wanna leave you with because this is not divination or just you know something fun to know about. When you understand astrology and how that is interacting with your chart, you're understanding the very mechanisms of reality that are happening with or without your awareness. And when you have the awareness of what's happening, you can ride the wave consciously. Your evolution is so much faster. You're a, a, a step ahead always because you see these energies coming. You know what they're about. And it's so important that everybody knows at least the very basic of where to locate some of these big energies in their chart. Like where is Pluto? Where is Aquarius in your chart? What is this revolution of change that is awakening within your soul? And so take the time that you have to look up some information of astrology. If you have time, go deeper, get a professional analysis on your chart in relationship to these energies astrologically, but really understand what the mechanisms of reality are speaking of in relationship to you. Because it's not all, yeah, we're not all losing hope here. There is, we, we're not ending. The planet is not ending. We're going to keep going. We're going to stay here. Like the world is not ending. We're not, you know, zapping out of here. 
and morphing into another. We're, we're going through this. This is not going anywhere. So astrology has been a lifesaver, really. And the one thing I love what you said here, Raquel, was it's about time for the Aquarian perspective and with the awareness of its dark side to come into, into consciousness because we've waited a long time for the, for the growing up of humanity. It is our time to, to be citizens of the cosmos, to, to end the wars and the hunger and the atrocities and take on this new potential that awaits humanity. And I think... Yes, and part of it is going to be a certain, the, the illusion, the rose-colored glasses, okay? This is something that, like, Rick brought up as well. Like, even within the spiritual communities, you know, I live in Sedona, and, you know, there's there's a lot of, um, you know, insights on what's to come. And I will tell you that we are going to be having the rose-colored glasses taken off a little. This is also due to the Piscean age ending, the rose-colored glasses, and into the awareness, the Aquarius I mean, I really think that also Saturn conjunct Neptune is going to help with that, a little bit of that burst of another layer of reality check, because Neptune is really preparing to enter Aries. Wake up, right? So this is where the, even our concept of spirituality shifts into more of an embodiment. So it's not anymore about speaking, about meditation. It's about living it and taking action from that place. So, That's And so it is. Well said, Raquel. We appreciate that. Can't Thank wait you. to see you, by the way. Right, at the Conscious Life Expo. I will and be there. This is going to be a powerful panel. Yes, a powerful panel that Shima is going to be moderating. All right, Shima, let's hear your, your thoughts. Honey. I can't wait. Well, you know, it's interesting because Raquel and I spoke last night, and we're just like so so in alignment on so many things. We can just, it's kind of like mirror oftentimes. It's, it's fascinating. And the fact that she and I and Joan are all Libra moons. So in shamanic astrology, that's coming from the same tribe. We've been here before. We've been in the same tribe before. Are we surprised? Not There's really. There's a south node. I know. I'm, I'm like, okay, the south node's coming. <laughs> right? It's all just kind of... <laughs> it's astounding. And and the language of astrology, oh my God. How, thank you so much for bringing us together because just being able to have the conversation and yes, right. people need to have their chart and they need to know, Joan, they need to know the degree of certain things. You know, your rising sign, what degree is it? What is it? And you're right, you know, a few things and maybe where the houses are, because all of these events that are happening are happening in a particular area of lives. Right. And, and, you know, sometimes I think if I could, I'm always, I'm always trying to figure out a way to communicate astrology, communicate this language, communicate the, the magnitude of the gift that this is you know, that, that it gives us such insights into ourselves, into each other, into this world that we're in. And if we could take it out of the, um, you know, just take it out of this place of, uh, you know, I don't know, that people have had like such a, a, astrology has just been like crucified for so many years, you know, that, um, I think like at the Conscious Life Expo, when I think of some of these, 
some of these other panels that are out there. And I'm thinking, we need an astrologer on those panels. We need somebody to, to ground it in. We have all these ideas about what's happening, but astrology tunes yeah. in to the exact timing of things that have happened. It's If we can get behind beyond the woo-woo of it into the reality of the history of it, of the science of it, of the medicinal aspects of it, of all of the things that astrology is, that, that to consider. I know Rick talked about with the stars, Sidar, to con with this, it's all possible. We can learn so much. We don't have to be kind of like out there, like what's going on? What's tomorrow? I'm alone in the universe. No, there's a wonderful order to the universe and we get to have it. And all of those who are listening and um, thank you for being here because you're the, you're the reason why we come to these things, you know, and, and to each one of you, I feel like brothers and sisters, and I'm so, so delighted and pleased to be here. My heart is just kind of like, oh, just love. So thank you so I'm much. So, I'm so glad you came out of your shell and you did predictions tonight. Because sometimes it's been like twisting your arm to get to this and astounding to hear from you. Thank, thank you. Thank you, uh, thank you so much. Okay. Kima, that was a beautiful endorsement for knowing the cosmos, knowing ourselves as a reflection of the cosmos. Thank you. And you know, Alan, I live in Mount Shasta and Mount Shasta is bringing the heavens down to earth. And that, it's like, that's what my life is. It's about, you know, I'm talking at the expo, bringing the cosmos down to, down to earth. It's like, how can we make it so that you realize it's like, it's the, look up at the stars, look not just at the chart, into your heart, commune with the planets, you know, really nice. So yeah. anyway, yes. Thank All Thank right. You. So I think we're going to hear next from Leo. Is that it? Yes. So uh, I like I like to stress diversity within unity a little bit for the age of Aquarius, and but you know by that I mean being true to being an individual, and at the same time finding unity with the community and with the whole. I don't think it's really been done, at least maybe not since the last age of Aquarius, because what people have done with diversity with unity before or with individuality and unity is individuality means like nationalism turns into fascism and unity means everybody's the same. You can take it to the far nth degree communism. Now it's different. It's individuality, true to yourself, and at the same time, in unity with everything else. My, my best example of that is an orchestra. Every instrument is true to itself as an instrument. But yet when the music plays, the symphony plays, it is so beautiful. About myself, go to leonightandtellerico.com, leonightandtellerico.com. Um, I do a blog every week. I do a streaming radio show every other week. You can find out about those on leonightandtelerico.com. And then, of course, Alan and I work with LightNet. And for that, I'm a guide that helps people to learn astrology and at the same time, make contact. Make contact oh. of the universe, well, which is a ton of fun. Thank yeah. you so much, Leo, for being here. I guess I'm going to get to meet you in Sedona. And Sounds good. Look forward to it. Yeah. What about Michaela? 
Well, I want to thank everybody uh, on this panel for discussing these important issues with me. And Alan, thank you for inviting me to be on here. This was awesome. Um, you can find any of my stuff, my blog, my social media, the new tarot deck I'm working on, on my website, scenicgreatastrology.com. I'm attending my first astrology conference at Norwax. So if you're attending, come say hi to me. I want to talk to you. I like to meet people. Uh, Libra rising over here. And, uh, you know, my message is, is really just clean and simple. Just, you know, reconnect with groups and communities and friends and connect in unique experiences and new experiences. And don't be afraid to try new things. And, uh, you know, just play, just play with life and have fun. Um, and one of my favorite quotes, it's, it's on my website and I want to leave with everybody. It's from Yoda because I love Yoda. And he says, many of the truths that we cling to depend on our point of view. So just keep that in mind when you're going into 2023. Well, thank wow. you for being in grand company and add so much. What was the most interesting thing today that you may have learned about astrology from some of these people? Can you just... <laughs> um, what came to you stood out? You know, I love all the different perspectives that everybody gets, but it reaches the same goal, right? And it's the same thing as like learning, using different health systems. Mm -hmm. You can always get to the same goal at the end of the day, you know? And it really takes, astrology takes multiple ideas and multiple facets, right? It's not linear. It, it really, you got to hit it from all the angles. And it's really important that people have different teachers and follow different perspectives so that they can have a wider vision when they're looking at this because it's it's complex, it's complex info. So that was really beautiful to be a part of something like this. Thank you. Yes, it was a great myriad of perspectives because they're using yeah. the same tools and creating a different perspective on those same you know, aspects. So it was so fascinating. If you took an individual and you took them to 10 different shrinks, you'd get 10 different diagnoses and treatment plans for each of us. I think so. It is really interesting. We're all unique. So, Rick, what what are your final? First of all, it's been great to have you all here. I don't mean final, but how how would you like to end this panel with Rick? Well, before I end, I would like to just mention that um, I tried, and a couple of other people have commented, Michaela, that for some reason your site is coming up site not found. So, so for whatever reason. Um, the address that you gave us and the one that's posted is not working, and I thought you'd want to know that. Just type it in the chat then, Michaela, your site with all the HTTP. Thank you for that, Rick. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> just a couple of things in cleaning up, a couple of questions. Someone asked where I get my, where I got this shirt. Those of you who know me know that there's a longer story that I'm not going to tell, but these are um, hand handmade and hand painted by a workers owned collective uh, textile collective in uh, Indonesia, in Bali, where I spend a lot of time. And I have, I don't know, pushing a hundred of these long sleeve, short sleeve, button down linen, cotton, red, blue, green, black. And so uh, where do you get them? You can't. Or you can paint it yourself. Okay. Um, that's one question out of the way. Um, 
Raquel talked about, and I just want to come back to, I keep answering or connecting with things that Raquel are saying, but um, about the idea of that it's going to take time before we know what's going on. Joan, you just turned 90 degrees. You're, 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 you're sideways now. Um, and um, I just wanted to say that uh, my now uh, passed on astrology buddy and partner in, in astrology crime, Jeff Jower, um, used to say that we astrologers have what he called the Astrologers Full Employment Act, which basically is the planets keep going round. You know, it doesn't matter how how great the crisis is. Um, it doesn't matter what goes on, even if it's our own demise and our own uh, physical uh, passing or death. It's like it continues. It goes on. It unfolds. There's no ultimate moment that answers everything. Um, it, it keeps going on. I wanted to say a quick word about another great Neptunian word that someone used. I think it might have been Leo. Um, I'm not sure. But the word is disillusionment. Um, and we, again, we use that word as, oh, that person's so disillusioned. We, we, we use it as a negative. It's like it's a problem to be disillusioned. No, it's a problem to be illusioned. <laughs> I mean, illusions are great to drive us to create dreams. But that's Saturn's role again. I'm back to the Saturn-Neptune conjunction. Saturn's role is to disillusion Neptune, meaning it's to, to help us precipitate the clouds of illusion to precipitate them into crystals of reality. And so being disillusioned is, an, is just as important as being confused. In fact, being confused often leads to... No, I, being disillusioned often leads to being confused. There, I was confused myself. So disillusioned is another th thing that I think is, is something that we give a negative twist to. And I think we can look at um, Saturn being in cohabitating is the correct word, but being in the same sign as Neptune, we don't wait, need to wait until their actual conjunction in, in 24. In, uh, you should write your own dictionary there, Rick, uh, with all these re- I right. love Right. You're really giving us a sense of what... Well, remember, what we practice is astrologos. And people forget that the word logos, or the logi part of astrology, or the logos is not about... It's not about logic in the way that we Westerners use logic. Here I go again, Alan. The idea of the, the value of the word logos to Christianity is in the beginning there was the word. And it is the vibration of the word that is the creation of reality, but only if the word is vibrating to something that is pre-existing in metaphysical reality, and then the word can bring it into reality. So I think as astrologers, our languaging is very important. And so I definitely have Gemini rising. I spend a lot of I love it. The last thing I want to close with, though, is this concept of um, which way is it going to go? And are we all going to be happy and receptive to being a part of the community and the galaxy and stepping out of our old realms of, you know, repressed hate? And, you know, I think Jung in the last book he wrote, um, um, he said that 
All the politicians in the world will never accomplish peace through treaties or political negotiations. That peace on earth will only come from peace within each individual mind on the planet. And will that happen? I don't know. This is Mahayana Buddhism, uh, which basically says no one gets to nirvana unless everyone gets there. You know, we either all get off or no one gets off. And I think, though, that that it's a little bit um, shadowless. And I'm not accusing anyone of saying this in particular. I'm just it's a warning for all of us when we start talking about the potential of what's going on, because I don't see this Uranus I don't see this Uranus-Saturn square resolving. Uranus is going to exist. Saturn is going to exist. It may go, it goes through pulses of whether it becomes absolutely the most critical thing on the planet for a while, like it has been in 2021 and 22, or whether it slides off to the side, but it doesn't go away. And just because many of us may be um gaining awareness and if not reaching i don't think anyone reaches it's not a right one-time thing but as we continually reach toward greater awareness and enlightenment there's always the flip side that's not going that way that's reaching another way and i think it's a bit infantile or a bit childish to think that we're everyone's going to become, you know, part of whatever this magic is that some of us are absolutely blessed and graced to be a part of. I'm not making what we're doing any less. I'm just saying it exists in a more complicated um, context. And I'm not even saying that to be, you know, a Debbie Downer or to be negative in any way. It's just something to keep in mind. Now, having said all that, um, if it's not apparent, I mean, to me, astrology is the I, I got interested in astrology in my mid-teens, and which um, was over fifty years ago, and um, and I haven't lessened. I'm as more intrigued and excited by uh, learning more today than I was when I first got the bug and started learning. Why? Because as Shima said, it holds a key. It's not the way. It only is a map that, if we can use it, can help us see not the way, but a way to become more clear <clears throat> about what it is that's going on so that we can break through the invisible repetitive patterns that, like the course of least resistance, keeps a river running till it gets to the sea. And yet we at certain times can make efforts to break some of those patterns and I agree with what everyone here on the panel has pretty much all said from different perspectives. And that is, we are at such a, a threshold or turning point now. And for that, I, I, I'm in to do whatever I can to nudge um, uh, people, friends, uh, enemies, acquaintances, people I don't know, at least in the direction of increasing their own self-awareness. And I know of no better way to do that through the astrological I, metaphor. I love it, Rick. You turned me sideways and then I got invited me back up again. <laughs> it was right. a metaphor well, it's, for the whole it's, it's nice to see you with your Saturnian with your Piscean feet on the Saturnian ground. That was kind of interesting. So thank you all so much. Alan, do you have any last words before I, we go? I want to say I've been doing this for seven years at the beginning of each year. And this was 
the best and the most coherent agreement among the astrologers and visionaries in the last seven years makes me think that maybe this year we'll have a little more coherence and togetherness and collective com- community within the world, possibly. I think 2023, from what everyone's saying, it is a new beginning. We've been through a little bit of a rough path, path patch, and it's not going to be necessarily all all uh, utopian, acquiring utopian idealism. It's not going to be that. There's still a lot of work to do, but we are moving in a direction of something more being possible for humanity. Uh, that's my acquiring humanitarianism. But I feel like we are at the threshold of something new, something unknown. They're, they're, I mean, as far as science, they're looking at gravity waves. They've discovered gravity waves. Imagine harnessing a gravity wave. I mean, there's so much that the future holds that this forecast here points the direction towards something we have yet to imagine, but we can almost sense. That's the feeling I get from what everyone put out there. There's something new happening on the horizon. And if anyone's going to see it, it's going to be you astrologers. So that's something I have to say. Joan, what about you? So grateful for everyone's insights and for giving us really clues about what to watch for this year and the coming years and not kind of sweeping it under the rug and saying all is going to be perfect and and rose colored glasses because I do. I'm a Pisces. I have a lot of rose colored glasses. They're the only ones I wear. So I, I really like the reality check. And I and I believe 2023 and beyond is is when we're going to ascend as as a as a people and that there's more positive growth that's happening. And I really do believe we're on the right path and I love all your insights. So guys, check out our astrologers. We have all the links below. Alan Steinfeld is new realities TV. I am Joan of angels, everything Joan of angels, YouTube, Instagram, and I am calling all angels. The angel brigades are gathering for the betterment of humanity and to bring the miracles and the peace and love we need. So thank you so much. I want to say, Joan, we'll see everyone in LA at the LA Expo, LA Conscious Life Expo at the LAX Hilton, February 11th to the 13th. Be there. A lot of us will be there. And it's it's always an evolutionary time. And all right. Thank you. We will see you all next time. It would be fun to get together mid-year to see uh, how things have evolved. Yes, Shima. I was just going to say, and we'll be in the yin water rabbit year, which starts on the the 21st of January. It's probably your solar return, Alan. So, wow. Wow. It's it's like a whole whole shift and everything. So, find out more Conscious Life Expo. It's a yin Rat year, is that what you're saying? In water rabbit year. A rabbit. That's a whole discussion. That's our next next week. Okay. All right. All right. Good. Okay. All soon. Um, and hopefully the stars are aligned in our favor. Amen. So all right. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for being with us. We love you.